it's about getting into schools and talking to young people because you know I, I know that people can change uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever and we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there absolutely Hey there guys, we are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hi, Ethan Lawrence here, actor, large comedy actor, welcoming you to the Chronicles of Ethan Lawrence. So, welcome to the 49th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. I was going to wave for you this week, guys, but you know what? I think we've done enough waving. As you're about to hear, I think Jamie's done enough exercise for the rest of his life. Um, so what we'll do this time instead is I'll give you a little... Oh, there you go. There's your wave. All right, that's it. That's all you're getting. Jamie... I yes. believe these are the Chronicles of Ethan Lawrence, am I right? <laughs> they are definitely the Chronicles of Ethan 49th edition. Right, I think I'll cycle this time. Hit it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 49th edition. 49, can you believe it? Of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Ethan Lawrence. It is I, the very tired, the very sore, and very achy bearded Brummy Jamie. And joining me, as always, as always, is this handsome bugger over here. It's a Scotsman Tom, and I can't decide between orange juice or water, so I thought I'd go for both, because it's fucking weird decide to record on the hottest day of the year. I genuinely Um, thought you were going to do both at the same time. I I was tempted, but I know that this is a lot wider than this, so (laughs) I had a feeling that I'd be like, the bottle would be no problem, but the juice I'd probably just go... Wear it straight. Yeah. Like, I don't want it anyway. That's all I've got left, actually. That's literally all I have left in my fridge. In my... Any football fans are my step Andy Frege, that's all I got left. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to talk about anything like we let's just get straight to the chase. Last y- last week, yesterday, sorry, I was so just going last week. I'm like, yeah, we're not we do it previously anymore. Uh so yesterday, guys, was Sunday the 17th of July. Now, as you will remember, we have been plugged. Sorry, Jamie has been plugging. Uh, a bike ride that he was doing for the Sophie Lancaster Foundation where he went from Longbridge in Birmingham to back up in Lancashire. 
Jamie did said bike ride last week. So uh, let's get to the interview. So, so Jamie, how are you doing? How was everything? Uh, you know, it was quite hot out there today. So, you know, did you have a good game? Did you cycle well? <laughs> I cycled very well, actually. But a quick a little amendment to something I learned yesterday. It's not actually backup. As Adam told me, it's actually pronounced backup. There we go. Okay. That's if you're in Northern, eh? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I've not... I can't remember the last time I came to Backup. I was like, it's Backup. I've been calling it Backup for absolutely ages. It's definitely Backup. It's definitely, you know, unless you're a sheep, it's Backup. Why did that amuse me so much? I don't know. That, or, 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 do you reckon sometimes in the army people get confused? Where's my Backup? Uh, and I'm meant to be there. No, you're meant to be with me. Oh, shit. Why is there so many soldiers in Lancashire? I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, I'm in Kent. What are you doing? Your fucking back. I meant you meant to be my backup, not in backup. You twat. <laughs> yeah, it went really, really well. Should I give you a break then, my dad? Because you're so shit at telling stories. I literally hey. have to fucking no, serious, no. Just bear with me one second, right? Well done. If I go, come on, Jay, let's have a story. You go, yeah, it was great. I was literally just oh, about to get going. No bollocks, were you? Bollocks, I were you? Was. <laughs> I left the house at 5.39am after consuming a bowl of Weetabix. That's what happened. Anyway, yes. Set off 5.39 in the morning. I had my sat-nav ready to go. I had my headphones on, listening to Foley's pod. Can't beat a bit of Mick Foley at half five in the morning telling his stories. And yeah, I literally just cycled my little heart out. Um, it's... I actually enjoyed it a lot more than a forward. And okay, it so went it, faster than a forward. Any motorways, any roads? Was it paths? Was it what was it? Like you're not giving that much away here. It was just <laughs> what was it? You're not giving me a chance to. No, to the, the good chunk of it was like canal side psychopaths. Oh nice. Yeah, there was a there was a quite a lot of like dual carriageways and roads and all that stuff. The most hilly part was in fucking Birmingham when I started. Like I would Six o'clock, I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to get off a walk already. The hill's like this. But no, once I got through there, once I got through Goodlie, it was um, pretty much straight, just down canal sides. I got to a place called Stone, about half nine, ten. Absolutely gorgeous. Like, I want to go there. I want to go back there. It's absolutely stunning. Um, about ten o'clock-ish, my dad met me. He was like, right, I'm meeting you now, and I'm going to basically stay with you for the rest of the day. Did he cycle or drive? He drove. But what we did was we sort of planned out my breaks. Yeah. So like every hour and a half, I think it was, I took a break, just a quick refuel. I didn't eat any big meals or anything like that. I was literally just like snacking throughout the day, which is why I'm in a bit of pain today in my stomach because it's just like, why didn't you eat properly, you bastard? Um, but yeah. So every hour and a half or so, I had a break. And I'm kind of glad he was there to do that with me because I know what I'm like. I'd be like... But this time, I'm going to have a break. Oh, I could go for another half an hour. And so it was good to have that sort of planning, maybe stick to it. Although he did he did buy me a helmet as well. He wasn't happy with the fact I wasn't wearing a helmet, so he brought me a helmet. So there we go. Hero. But yeah, um, best thing I saw all day was cows in a river. That made my day. Just, just cows you saw, What cities to go to? What towns did you go to? I was going to keep you into it, didn't I? Um, <laughs> Uh, to be honest, I didn't see a lot of towns because it was all just canal sides, fields, all that sort of stuff. Um, at one point, I got to a sign. It says, welcome to Manchester. I was like, superb. Turn right. 
go through a field, get to the other end, and went, welcome to Stockport. So like, where am I right now? Am I in Manchester or am I in Stockport? Stockport's right next to Manchester. I know, so. it's just like, it, it really amused me that I exited there and there I'm next to somewhere else. Um, well, knows. At one point, my dad was like, I was getting a bit worried about you. I couldn't see you. Where were you? And then I found you and you stood there taking pictures of llamas. I was like, you're damn right. You're cycling and you see a field of llamas. You have to go and take a picture of the llamas. Fair. Fair. I also found a herd of cows. My, I stopped my first herd of cows. I was like, I've got to see some animals at some point during this, surely. So I walked up to the gate. And I was like, I'm going to do a little video, say hello to the cows. And it really made me laugh because I literally walked up to the gate. And it's like they all just looked at me. All of them at the same time. I was like, get out of my fucking field. So that's quite scary. So I thought I'd better get a move on before the cows attack me. Um, but no, it went really well and it went really fast. It was quite surprising how fast it went. Um, and I only really struggled in like the last hour-ish. Yeah. I got towards, um, oh God, the name of the place is completely escaping me. No, it's gone. But it was like that. And obviously, I've been going for about 12 hours at that point. It was the last hour. And I just couldn't do it. I had to get off. My heart was racing. I was getting stitched. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I really started to struggle now. And I was like, no, you will finish this. Not towards the end, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, so an hour before I finished, I was like, you will finish this. So I did, and I finished it. Um, the main thing that was annoying me, though, was because it was so bright, the heat, it kept obscuring my maps. So I was like looking down and I couldn't see it. And then it'd be like, you've gone off path. I was like, son of a bitch. So I kept having to turn around and like rejoin my maps. But because of I did, trying to save battery from my phone and whatnot, I didn't have it where it reroutes you. To, it was just offline maps. Okay. So that was a bit of a pain in the ass. But yeah, it's just... I don't know what to say really. Because like it's literally got on my bike and cycled my little ass off. It's, How'd you feel? I'll be honest, when I... The remainder of yesterday after I stopped and this morning, if I tried to move a certain, any part of my body, I was in agony. Like, so much pain in my shoulders, my neck, my legs. A lot of that's worn off now. Still a bit achy, but now it's just like, oh, you didn't eat anything at all yesterday, really, did you? Just snacks. So my stomach hates me. The tiredness has hit me like a bitch now. Like, I just need to properly rest, rest. So I'm so how do you pretty feel? sure. But mostly, I'm fucking proud of myself. I mean, you cycled like, about a quarter of England. So. Pretty, pretty much. I don't know. I, I got quite emotional, like, about an hour and a half towards the end, and I was thinking to myself, like, I can't believe I just did this. Like, I actually set my mind to it, and I did it. But it took me a little bit longer than I wanted it to. It took me 13 don't hours, I told. Don't matter. Don't matter. Precisely, it doesn't matter. It's not a race. No, precisely. I did it. Um, and I was got, and I know it sounds really daft. I got a little emotional. I was like, Obviously, it's no secret. It's known on here. I lost a ton of weight not long ago, a couple of years ago. If I tried to do that then, I would have got 10 miles in and just fallen over and just killed at the side of the road. <laughs> it never would have happened. The math, because it has happened. But it's, it has it's happened. happened. Yeah. I know, but I got emotional. I was just like, I've actually put the work in and I've done this and I've got myself to this point that with no real practice, with no like training or anything really, I just got up and got on my bike and fucking did it. And I was, re- I was really proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. But 
you know me, I don't do praising ill. Um, but I'm proud of you because you did it. Thank you. Because even in, you know, it wasn't the hottest day of the year. Today's the hottest day of the year. We yeah. are recording. I, I watched the record tonight because I thought we're recording on the hottest record-breaking heat today. Uh, so yeah, we're sweltering our fucking tits off, but still. Um, but I am proud of you, and I didn't want to throw it on social media. I didn't want to throw it. I wanted to talk to you. I know it's being recorded. All right, but mano a mano. Um, that you, you literally, I think you've quadrupled what I raised for the bake sale. I think you've absolutely, I mean, it does. Um, you've you've done an unbelievable job as this point in time of recording, Jamie. What are we on? Um, for the bike ride or for in total? In total, before we get to the okay, what'd you raise for the bike ride? For the bike ride, so far, we're looking at 878 quid. Exactly. Exactly. Jamie, me, what's the total? I'm just about to load it up now for you. I already uh, know what it is. <laughs> I do. We looked. Yeah. I, I know it's something <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Where? £1,350. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. We've raised 1350 We are £350 over our yearly target <laughs> in July. And there's still more to come in as well. So I'm... it blows my fucking mind. Yeah. But it's I down look... to you, man. It's down to you because, no, you know, you set off and cycled 116 miles in a half a day from Birmingham to Bearcup in, Lanc- yeah, in Lancashire, Bearcup. where Adam actually met you. And the fact that they shared it blew our donations out the water even further. Yeah. Um, incredible. Incredible. I don't want you to sit there like, oh, you know, but well, but nothing. Incredible. But fucking nothing. Unbelievable. Okay. All right. But no. Half six, I got to the park. Obviously, Adam. I was expecting Adam and the wife. That's all I was expecting. I knew Tony was there. Did you know? Because he made it on social media. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I literally. Because I was looking down, because I was like, uh, uh, slogging the last bit. And I look up, my mom stood there, my sister, Tony, Olivia's there. And I was like, what the fuck are you all doing here? I was like, <laughs> didn't it? My mom just went, you didn't think that I'd be here to see you achieve this. I was like, I was like phenomenal. I really didn't expect it. My only gripe of the entire day was they didn't give me five minutes to catch my breath before taking bloody photos of me. Like, oh, my God, did she... I literally took my leg off the bike and I'm like, right, stand next to Adam, post photos, take photos. He's one with the family. I was like, oh my God, let me catch my breath, people. <laughs> Mate, it's wonderful. I didn't know your dad had gone with you, so that's incredible that your dad went with yeah. you as well. That's yeah. great. That is so great. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And he'd literally just got over COVID. He'd literally just tested negative for it and he was dying. He was in so much pain, blessing with his chest, but he was adamant to be there for me. So I meant the word. So massive thank you to Daddy Dearest. But- so last word, well then. Speaking to Adam as well, I didn't realise that is literally the second time that Adam has been to the park since it happened. Really? The first time he went was when the police walked him round, like a couple of days later. And then yesterday was the second time he's been since it happened. When I got there as well, where I turned into it was the skate park where it happened. And there's a tree there, which I I didn't realise there was a tree there, like dedicated to a plaque on it from that. And you look... and. It broke my heart to look around. It is such a beautiful place. Like, it's a beautiful park. All sorts of little fairy gardens there for the kids. It's, it's absolutely stunning. And to know one of the most horrific fucking things in this world happened there 
It's just heartbreaking. I was, really. was, was going to ask you, how was it to be actually be there? It was, like I said, it was heartbreaking. It really was. I was like, it was like that half mind, like, oh my God, I did it. I'm so proud of myself. And then at the same time, I'm looking around and it's like, it's disgusting. I can't believe this happened. But yeah, you just, you just didn't expect it. It was such a beautiful place. And just know something so horrific happened there. It was, it was horrible. It really was. Yeah. It's, 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 it, weirdly, I'd like to see it. So I'm sure one day we will uh, be venturing up there again. I'd love uh, to go back anyway just for a day because it's stunning up there. It's beautiful. But yeah, mate, well done. Thank seriously, you much, seriously, sir. seriously, well done. Like it's incredible. I'm I'm really proud of you that you achieved quite a monumental feat with not a lot of training. Uh, <laughs> I still can't believe I did. I'll it. be honest. I was I was worried because I thought you've not really you cycled to work. On a weekly, yeah, on a daily, weekly basis, but only an hour and a bit. Yeah, pretty much. And you've pretty, pretty much times that by twelve slash thirteen. Yeah. So it was just you know, um, I wasn't sure how much was road and motorway because obviously you can't cycle on those, can you? So no, I knew there was no motorways. I knew it was mostly going to be a roads, but I didn't realize there was going to be so much cycle pass because I did look at the route. But it's because it's a bicycle, it's literally like turn left, turn right, go on here, stay on here. So I was like, this means absolutely nothing to me. I'm just going to press start and just follow it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and I made myself a playlist as well because I was like, when I'm feeling really laggy, let's get some music on the go. Two certain songs did it for me, which you'll be quite proud of me for, I think. Like, okay. just got me going. I was like, come on. And that was Pump It by Electric Cowboy. Yeah, I need to be on there. As soon as that came on, I was like, come on. And Paranoia by A Day to Remember. That just got oh. me going as well. As soon as it came on, I was just like, yes. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I'm so proud of you. Right. Great start to the show. But What's what, I next? Know, what I want to know, Jamie, is how do you eat an ice cream? Are you a licker? Are you a, like a, you know, a suck it off sort of thing? Or are you a top teeth man? Ooh, suck it off. Uh, depend, what sort of ice cream are we talking about here? Like a Magnum like proper, or a Mr. Whippy? Well, the matter. Whatever sort of, just... Because a Mr. Cause, Whippy, I'm more of a licker because, you know... It are you a licker? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's like a Magnum, I'm a bit of a biter. So what, what, what bite the, as in bite the chocolate and the vanilla? Yeah. Okay. Because with, with a Mr. Whippy, you kind of got to be a liquor because if not, your hand's getting covered in fucking ice cream. Well, I'm a, like I'll use the top of my teeth here. All right. Oh, you'd, you'd deep throat that bad boy. Oh, oh yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. So I, I do like getting my teeth into an ice cream. Uh, people find that weird, don't they? Like, when you're licking it, it's like, because I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't tend to lick. I don't know why. Let's just go. <laughs> okay, look, you know what I mean? Just go round all the time. Like, fucking, it just becomes like a little snowball on top. But even um, then, saying that with Mr. Whippy, I think I start licking as it starts to melt. So I'm eating it normally, and then all of a sudden, you're like... Magnum-wise, though, I was top top and sides and lick all around. And when they you know, took a massive piece of chocolate, I thought, oh, yes. Sessy bon. oh, And straight in. Delicious. It's just when you have those moments that the chocolate cracks and it falls to the floor, and it's like, Don't. no! Also a feast, though, when you did, you know, I remember when I first ever had a feast and didn't realise the chocolate inside the ice cream. Oh, mm. those were the days. I forgot that. I need a feast now. I completely forgot Big that. Big fucking chunk of chocolate. In the yeah, there is in there. Hell oh, yes. I'm getting a feast tomorrow. I Hell yes. I forgot that. It is great. It is so great. Um, Jamie. Yes, sir. It's story time. Oh, okay. This really made me fucking roar. 
All right. I'm glad you've brought things because I ain't got a fat lot this week because <laughs> I'm being so, out of it. Somebody was in Scotland and bought a Peppa Pig book. How'd you do? It's not in English. Oh my God, please tell me it's in Scottish. It's in Scottish. Oh my God, yes. It's called Peppa's Bonnie Unicorn. <laughs> All right. Do you not think maybe it's Susie's turn now, Peppa? Asked Daddy, Pe- asked Daddy Pig. I said Peppa. Mom then Susie, you can have a wee shorty on Cuddy McTwinkle Toes. <laughs> I didn't want to play at Cuddy's, but sis Susie, I want to play at Unicorns. Peppa thought for a wee minute. Well, Cuddly McTwinkle Toes a magic Cuddy, she said. She could turn into a unicorn whenever she wants to. Ah, <laughs> oh, said Susie. Oh, right. <laughs> it carries on. <laughs> now we can fly our way up to the sky on our unicorn, cheered Peppa. But a unicorn has a horn for you to hold on to when you fly. <laughs> said Susie. Cuddy McTwinkle Toast, Disney have a horn. <laughs> oh, said Peppa. Didn't you worry? She flies that safely, you Denny. <laughs> Even with your head on. Oh, Peppa and Susie had shots each final in the room. I wish Cuddy McTwinkle Toes was a real unicorn, said Susie. And I wish she was off it, off it, off it, sparkly. And Peppa, I think I think Cuddy McTwinkle Toes is about... <laughs> it's just about knackered, said Daddy Pig. Maybe you could build a wee den to sleep in it. You fucking beauty, cheered Peppa and Susie. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that to end. Yeah, fucking beauty. I'll be honest with you, it fucking wasn't in there, obviously, because they have a paper, but I thought it would just add a little bit of je ne sais quoi to the end of the story. The Scottish je ne sais quoi. I literally found that on my way home today. I was like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever read in my life. I'm going to do it in my accent and I'm going to read it to you in full. I'll be honest, there's not a good chunk of that I didn't understand, but it was beautiful. Disney, what you? Hey. <laughs> Do you not want to, Jamie? Is what I said. <laughs> oh, the noise that came out of my face while reading that. You know that. Oh, so Jamie. Anyway, yes. <laughs> other than being sore, battered, starving, swollen, hungry, etc., etc., dead. How are you? Right, yeah. He just covered every basis, really. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Fucking sh- sleeping in this flat is just not happening. If, if Keris was here, we'd be killing each other right now. So I'm, I'm lucky I got the bed to myself at least. So I put the fan on just me because yeah. it is horrific in here. Literally horrific. It's 33 degrees in this flat. It's 34 outside. Like, what's the point? That's not on. You can't even open the window for a breeze because there is no because there isn't one. It's just, yeah, it's mental. But yeah, it's fine. Sleeping's taking a long ass time. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) I didn't want to anyway. (laughs) You'll wake up on that in a couple of days after a fresh sleep, like, yeah, fucking (laughs) yeah. Literally, the only good thing I found about this heat today is I did a load of washing this morning. I put it outside. It's dry. Job done. No leaving it overnight. It's dry. I went outside to get a coffee this morning. I burnt within 100 yards. <laughs> like, <God>. what? 
I'm li- my arms are red. I've been outside for about five minutes. It's that. It's absolutely mental. I burnt quick. I was like, what the fuck is this? I meant to send you this. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen what this cinema chain was doing? Sh- showcase, yes, I have. Is it showcase? Yeah. Free free tickets for ginger people to get them out of the sun. Jeez. Yes, exactly. We'll be fine, mate. We can both go together. Um, just you just need to accept it for fuck's sake. Like, get over I was, yourself. I was saying to Claire, this is the true test. I rock up to this cinema and see if they let me in or not. Yeah, exactly. And if they don't, then I can hold you all and say I'm not ginger. I definitely am. I love it. Um, so other than your ridiculously insane monster cycle, what else have you been doing yourself, my friend? Uh, mostly just been working. I was working uh, Monday to Friday. Um, so not a lot to report on there. I haven't really watched a lot this week. Um, the only thing I really just started Umbrella Academy, but I'm not sure if I said that last week. Yeah, you did. Yeah, how yeah. you getting on with that? Well, I've carried on with it anyway. I think we've got three episodes left. And it's super. It's been such a good series. Like, um, I love the way they handled the... Um, Vanier, Page. Yeah, the Elliot Page from the Vanier into Victor Hargreaves. Like, it's not really spoiling anything. They pretty much just did it how it was in real life. Like, I want to be known as Victor now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> they did, literally didn't make a big deal out of it. They just went, okay, you're still, you're still our family. No problem. Oh, I'd love the way they did it. It was, it was superb. Um, yeah, that was mostly most just working in the week. And then Friday nights, I went to a gig. Oh, nice. I went to a gig. I went to see our friends at Neptune Rain because they played a gig in Mosley in Birmingham. I missed the first band because we ordered food and it took absolutely ages to turn up. In what is it with these real pretentious I, food places? Like I'm really finding recently with restaurants that they take four years to deliver your food. Now it's happened the last two or three times I've been out with like Karis's family. It's taken two, like, it's two hours. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know what's going on. This was just like a bar pub thing. It wasn't like some fancy restaurant. But what is it with everyone in these pretentious food places where you can't work out what you're actually ordering? What do you mean? Like, I, read the, I read the menu, and to me, it looked like beef brisket baguette. I was like, that'll do nicely. Turns up, she gives it to me, and I'm like, okay. And then I look on the menu, and it's like, that's vegan. What? And she has to want mayo, and I was like, a garlic mayo. That's not vegan. I was like, neither am I. I just thought this was going to be beef it's not it's very confusing but it was nice can't complain just weird <laughs> <laughs> only you wouldn't read something through something properly i did read it it was just a lot of big words and food i've never heard of before it's too like, many too many apostrophes and commas <laughs> pretty much yeah. We know I don't do grammar. Come on. Oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> I thought I'd just beat you to that one. Um, but yeah, they were super. They were, I saw three of the bands. Keep this up. They were really good when they were playing. They they made me think of like the American Pie soundtrack is probably the best way I describe them. Okay. When they were say, playing? Pardon? When they were playing? Yeah. Well, like when they were playing the music, they just sounded like anything off. American Pie. But you know the in-between songs where you've got to talk and interact with the crowd? Possibly the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. Because? They just all acted very awkward. Kind of bombed more than I did at the... uh... Yeah. It was just cringy. Like, I was just like, I felt a little bit sorry for them. I was like, play the song. You're good when you're playing the song. Play the song. Um, The next band I'm called Call to the Faithful, and they were superb. Like this guitarist walks up, he just he looks like a little hippie boy, like blonde hair, headband on, like flary trousers, and you think, of course he's gonna be good. He's playing in a band. 
My God, he was a monster. I've never seen anything like it in my life. They were absolutely superb, but they're better live than they are on Spotify, which is a bit sad, but still okay. absolutely, absolutely amazing to see live. Though. And then, of course, our boys at Neptune Rain played, and they were phenomenal. Of course they were. Uh, big shout-out to Kieran as well. He was really nice. Did a shout-out for me on the stage about the bike ride, which I really appreciated. Got myself a Neptune Rain T-shirt while I was there. And yeah, it was just good to see them again and have a chat and whatnot. So yeah, Tom, and I think we definitely need to get Kieran on this show. Yeah, he's just a, such a fascinating, lovely individual. I just think it'd be great to hear his story. So I need to reach out to him and get that. Okay, but then Saturday I went to see the kids, which was oh, very nice. nice. Didn't really do a lot because in this heat I weren't taking him out in the park and whatnot. It's just too hot. I don't want to risk him burning to a crisp and whatnot. And just, no. Too, too, too hot. Too hot. And then yesterday, obviously, I cycled my little life away, and then here we are today. Magnificent. Today, I've mostly been doing nothing. I'm lying in the bath for about an hour. Just like, <laughs> oh, I've been watching something else. Silly me. I've been carrying on with the Orville. I'm on like episode five. Amazing. Have you got to the prank episode yet where they prank each other? That's what I'm on now. Oh. <laughs> One of my absolute favourites. I've literally just seen where they put the Mr. Potato Head stuff on Fingy's face. I can't think of his name. <laughs> Isaac. Isaac Hudson. Yeah, there's, there's a really fucking great two-parter with him in Series 2. That's all I'm saying. Like, like I was literally going mental. Okay. It's such a good... Mate, it's so good. The zoo episode is my favorite one so far. That really, I, did, I wasn't a big fan of that. I was a bit, I don't know. Um, oh. yeah, I like, I liked that one. And I think the one I've watched this morning was, um, where they had the baby, baby girl and they want to get it changed Boss. to a baby. Boy yeah. water something. I'm terrible at remembering characters' names in this program. I've realized, so why? Well, she sat as egg naked. <laughs> it's so funny. She's just this little ass crack from the back. <laughs> So check out the Orville on Disney Plus, guys. It's, so, you won't yeah, be disappointed. It's, it's so really good. good. Really good. Anyway, what about you, Mr. Stevens? What have you been doing? Um, not a fat lot. Keris has been in Turkey this entire time since so last recorded. So uh, I've been binging, I don't know why, WWF from 1998 uh, in full. I'm now in October. Um, I don't know why. I just really fancied it. So it's I a did. Really random choice. Yes, I know. I don't know what I don't know what was wrong with me. So I just bought the network for a tenner and went, this'll do. What year is um, 98? What WrestleMania is 98? Is that 13? Uh, 13, I think. 13. No, 13. Uh, the main event is Austin and Michaels. 14. 14, yeah. Um, with Mike Tyson as the referee. Yeah. Um, it's a good year to pick, though. Yeah, I just thought, fuck it. I've, I, I, I came into watching wrestling when I was a kid in 1998 in August. So I was like, well, I might as well watch the bits I missed. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I've been reannering fucking like, well, actually that's a lie. I have been reannering a lot, but my two days off were the day Keris left and the day after. Typical. Of course they fucking were. <laughs> um, so I literally, I've been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales, been loving that on PlayStation, been playing the Assassin's Creed Valhalla, watching WEF and I've been watching uh, AEW, of course. Um, I need to watch this week's. Um, and then I... Uh, Saturday I reannered. Sunday, yeah, so yesterday I was off, but I went to Keris's mum's 
Um, and I was doing some bits and pieces around the house for her. We were tidying up and putting curtain rails up and whatnot. And then she took me out for lunch. <clears throat> so oh, thank you, bless her. Yeah. But then we met up with um, her son-in-law and the kids. Um, so her grandkids. So we had lunch together. We were there for hours because <laughs> it took fucking ages for the food to come out. Um, and you I and the son-in-law just like, I miss her. I miss her so much too. Hold oh, no. in a manly embrace. Mark was actually all right. He was like, have you heard from her? I was like, yeah, every day. And Mark was like, I was like have, you heard from, have you heard from Beth, her sister? He's like, yeah, I've heard from her every day. And then her mum was like, well, I haven't heard from either of them. <laughs> yeah, she went, they obviously love you guys more than me. It was like, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so we did that. Uh, was really, went to the Gold Croft in Carleon. Uh, really nice. Uh, that I came back last night and I just watched TV all evening. That's really, and sleeping's been so difficult. Um, so I passed another exam. I'm down to five. I've done 24. They're all done. I'm just doing resubmissions and waiting for them to be marked, that sort of thing now. Um, so yeah. Uh, what about, is that holiday you were supposed to win for us? This is this Saturday. Oh. This Saturday, that party is this Saturday coming, the 23rd. That's a good timing for me to remember, wasn't it? Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Um, we will see what happens. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Matt Roberts, our boy Matt, who prays all our music, dropped a brand new single on Friday called Young Dumb Fun. Go and check it out. It's incredible. And Radio 1 have listened to it. So the boy is making waves, boys. He's making waves. We also did a phenomenal interview Thursday evening for the 50th edition. For the 50th, there's a big fucking guest next week again. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for the big announcement next week for who is coming on the 50th edition. Um, so yeah, other than that, Jamie, I'm just super asked, I was following your uh, I was following your story yesterday, I was following you, making sure I kept checking for updates. Um, so yeah, it's great. And we've yeah. raised 1350 pounds. Incredible scenes <laughs> to everyone that donated. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. It means the absolute world that a small time independent podcast has raised nearly nearly 1500 pounds. Incredible, Crazy. absolutely Crazy. incredible. But we should definitely hear from uh, our mate Braden Barrier at Stay Cozy. Yeah, we should. All right, is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody! This is Braden Barry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey! That's right, folks! And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast! Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man! That's right, Shaggy! Just use the special code, The Chronicles at Check out. Oh boy! Oh. Best advert ever. I completely agree. I definitely completely agree. And I agree with the fact that you guys should all go to stayclothingclothing.com and pick up Sophie Lancaster's collaboration t shirt because it's beautiful. Don't forget 50%. 50% of the presents. Yeah. Go for it. 50% goes to them. So let's get on with it. You may have let's donated over 800 pounds to me in the past few days, but go spend some more money towards them. Absolutely. Please do. Jamie. Yes, sir. Are you ready to be treached? Oh, I am ready to be treached. <laughs> Start Callum Streetchins. Yeah, it is. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. The boy is back. The boy also apologised for the fact that he uh, only delivered 
two last week. He's back with three this week. Yeah, uh, he was he so had very a valid good. reason to be fair. Well, true. A lot of people are scouting and screaming. Um, right, so let's crack on there, shall we, boys? Jamie, yes. What is Callum treating us this week? Three a.m. feels more like midnight than actual midnight. That is very true. I know what he means by this, because the amount of times you go, you look at the time and you go, look me, is that the time already? I can't believe it's so late. I completely get what he means by that. Do you turn to a northern at night? Apparently so. Okay. Is it because it just feels dark when you've been asleep for so long? Maybe. I feel, I don't know if it means just more like when you've been awake for so long, like it hits 3am and you're like, oh, I'm getting tired now. This is, this is... This is bedtime. But at midnight, sometimes you're still a bit wired. You're ready to go. Like my mate Stefan doesn't go to bed till 3 a.m. pretty much every day. I hate it. Crazy, guys. I hate it when you wake up thinking you're late for work. It's like 2 in the morning. Yeah, I hate it. you go, oh, my God, shit, I'm going to be there for work. Oh. Oh, you bastard. You've been asleep for like two or three hours. You motherfucker. Or it's happened to me several times this week, including yesterday, the day I needed all the rest. You wake up, you're like, Oh, you get back, get back to sleep. You look at the time, 10 minutes before your alarm. That's so frustrating as well. <laughs> but I see, I see what you mean, Callum, because obviously it's really eerily dark and quiet when that's midnight supposed to be. But normally midnight now is a lot of like, oops, 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 and party people. And there's like loads of noise outside mm-hmm. and whatnot. You know, all the, <laughs> all them, all them street ravers going to. You know, so I've had plenty of them around here the past few days. Anyway, what else is Callum treating us? You probably download it this week. Because of humans, being cute is an evolutionary advantage for many small animals. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is so true. Yeah. Because you guarantee that don't mean shit in the animal kingdom. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Shall we kill it and eat it? No, you can't. Look at its face. Look how cute it is. It's, it's so, so small. Yeah. It's so small and lovely. Don't, t- don't touch it. Oh, it's lovely. We'll keep it in a cage in our house instead. Yeah, it's, which is weird. <laughs> Welcome to my shit zoo. So I have a puppy. That's it. That's it. It's so weird if you watch it. There's like a tiny giraffe. You'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Say hello to Mr. Long-legged, Na- Long-legged Macadaddy. There's got to be somebody with a giraffe. There has to be. Oh, in America, there there's got to be someone with a giraffe as a pet. This looks over the house. I can see where burglars are coming. They're co- Julie, they're coming now. Julie, they're coming. I can see them, bastards. Oh fucking! If I weren't, a, if I were, a, you know, if I were a carnivore, I'd have you bastards. <laughs> you know it's feeding time because they're just reaching their neck around and knocking on your bedroom window. Where? Hop! Dunk! 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 <laughs> Julie, oh, giraffe man. Julie, wake up! Let me just get me out of here. Oh, there's a little bonsai plant here. Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine leaving your bedroom window open in the in the summer, and all of a sudden there's a giraffe head poking through the window. <laughs> What's that? What's licking? What's wet and licking? Oh, it's fucking Edward. Get out. I'm so sorry, Julie. It's fucking boring. The giraffe. 
But still. Where did Judy come from? I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's we've a... got a new Northern character. <laughs> I love it. But finally, Jamie, what is Callum Trigenous? Uh, this week? Most lotteries are won by people who make very poor financial decisions. Yeah, it's so true. Because, yeah, you always read, I've won lots of fucking hell, I'm a multimillionaire. Money blown in one week. <laughs> what uh, have you done with it? I don't know. I put it in stocks and shares. Again, it's that party that keeps saying they do everything but country, but keep fucking everybody <laughs> over. And they're called con, was it con what? Con, con artists. Yeah, I think that's them, yeah. Ah. Very clever. Like con, con, it could what? Oh, okay, I can't say that. I'm sure, sorry. <laughs> it's very true, though. You'd think, you hear these people win all this money, you'd think that one day you'd hear them going, they've done this and made this monumental change in the world, but no. Just brought a house and gone on holiday. <laughs> I bought 15 cars I don't need. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happens is it. British people just go, fuck, I can have everything. And then within a month go, Oh shit, I've got to sell it all. I've got no money left. <laughs> I've got every kitchen gadget known to man, but that's about it. What's what's your mate's name? Is it Greg? How much can I buy him? Oh, really? Lovely. That's perfect. Yeah, get him to come over. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> oh, I just realized what you're getting at here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where it all went. Oh, no idea. <laughs> Greg's not talking to me. Why is not talking to me? Because you own 15, you own 15 million, Steve. Come on, you own 15 million for fuck's sake. Has <laughs> anybody seen Greg? Yeah. Gre- oh, dear. Hey, Greg's won lottery. <laughs> he won that 81 million. <laughs> no, he fucking didn't. <laughs> oh, to oh. to restock. <laughs> okay, Steve. Okay, mate. It's okay. Don't worry. Yeah. If you say so. <laughs> What's going on up north? You've got Greg the drug dealer and Julia the woman that owns a giraffe. Oh, absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. That's Callum. what she did with a lottery winning. She bought a fucking giraffe. Yeah. Callum, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Stunning, sir. Absolutely stunning. But Jamie. Yes, sir. It's only time for Tom's journal. Oh, read to me, baby. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Lovely stuff. So, the edition of Tom's Journal. Now I've got to follow those treachings. Unbelievable. But, Jamie. Yes, sir. Why is it so awkward walking back after you bowling, bowling? <laughs> I, I, and especially when you shit as well, you're like, fuck. Because you got to go back and be like, uh, yeah. See, I find the middle ground the awkward one. Like when you've got a strike or something, you're like, fuck yes. And you're like, oh, look at him being Billy Big Bollocks. And if you do awful, you just kind of make a joke out of it and go, oh. yeah. like if, you, if, it, if it's just a standard roll, you got knocked a couple down. It's like, yeah, <laughs> walking back now. Hi, everyone. Shit. Shit. I, me. Yeah. Yeah. Awful, this guy. I got four. <laughs> but this is probably the greatest synopsis from a Hong Kong bootleg DVD oh, ever. It is put in a museum and guarded as a cultural treasure. This was Hong Kong's alien synopsis, okay? Spaceship people get up from sleeping coffin and have eat. Computer woman finds strange noisings on planet and astronauts go to see him. Astronauts find big elephant man who dead. 
then find too many egg. <laughs> Astronauts is possessed by egg demon. A new egg demon is come when eat bad noodle. Seven friends and cats all try to find egg demon before spaceship go home, but it's hard working. Who will life to escaping? Who is bad milk blood robot? Scream not working because space make death. <laughs> sorry, they translated in space. No one can hear you scream into what? Sorry. <laughs> scream not working because space make death. I want that. I want someone to make me the alien poster, but with that tagline instead, because that is fucking beautiful. I thought you were going to get tattooed on you. <laughs> yes, I That would be hilarious if you did that. <laughs> um, what would you say is the best superpower ever? Only Ooh. one. Hmm. There's so much criteria here. I'm probably going to say strength, though. Okay. Shapeshifting is the best superpower because you can have any haircut anytime you want. <laughs> you can turn into a hotter version of yourself. Ooh. You can turn into a dragon. You can turn into a robot. You can turn into a shambling mound of abstract shapes and sulk outside your estranged father's house at night whilst chanting ominously about his sins. This took a weird turn. I was, say, that, was on board. that was oddly specific, but I like I'm, it. I'm still on board. Yeah, that wins. That's much better, yeah. Yeah? You like that? Shapeshifting. Oh, you save a fortune on haircuts. You save a fortune on fucking everything. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, you know how you like a movie synopsis, that a movie you want to see? Oh, yes. I've got you another one. Oh, yes. Saw this online, and now it's the only Superman movie... I really want to see made. Oh, God. I want to see a comic about the CIA trying to murder Clark Kent and make it look like an accident. Not because they know he's Superman, but because he's a really good journalist. Ooh. Make it a comedy because the CIA assassins can't figure out why their attempts keep failing. Ooh. I like that. Stop making these things I want to see that aren't <laughs> going to happen. You never know. Someone could kickstarter it or whatever. That could be really interesting. Oh. Yeah, they can't work out why they can't kill him. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Oh, I that. So when you're at the gig on Friday. Yes. With a guitarist like, yo, this tone is so strongly, but I twist this here knob, it widens the screen going and adds bonkle to it. I don't know if that's exactly what Ollie from Neptune Rain said. It's exact words. Is it exact words, are they? These are exact words. This is exact words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a callback. I know, right? Absolutely phenomenal. You're such a dick. <laughs> Still, you know, you know, I jump on that ship. It's around. If, it, oh, if, it's, if it's just the carrots there, I'm like, hum, thank you. Right, I hope I say this right. Okay. Okay. Canonically, 
Canonically. 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 Canonically, yeah. The Lord of the Rings is a memoir by Hobbits. Yes. Yes. Which has several detailed descriptions of meals throughout. Yes. So maybe the whole saga is just one of those recipe blogs where they have to tell you the whole fucking epic story before getting to the food. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings just needs a jump to the recipe button. Job done. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. I love that. That's amazing. So I've always wondered... If the Lord of the Rings is a book written by hobbits, like of the stories at all, how do they know what happened when they were nowhere fucking near? I don't know. It's like most stories, though, isn't it? Yeah, I've just always wondered that. Maybe no. I've like, told this was really funny, and the first thing I think it was drone. It's like there's definitely weren't drones in that time. If maybe it's like hearsay, that's the story they heard. I want to know how real that is. Oh, the legend of oh, we had the legend of blah 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 yeah yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Intrigues me. Um, do you like a little dad joke? Oh, I always look at that. It's like a little dad joke, yeah. I always love a dad joke. Cyclops. Uh, love. How do you spell Hawaii? Wife. Uh, well, um, you need two eyes. <laughs> Cyclops slams pen down. My life just a joke to you, isn't it, Linda? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why do I always find these funnier when they just stick a random name on the end? No, like, I don't know. Although it's great, still though. hilarious, I just feel like they're adding the Linda on the end, just giving that <laughs> extra touch. Je ne sais quoi, would you say? Yeah, je ne sais quoi. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop very shortly because I'm. Well, no, I'm going to give you a couple more because these are great. Like everything I've been finding recently has been fucking gold. So think about this. A serial killer who stopped killing and started writing fiction because they were tired of writers getting stuff wrong. Reading like, no, Karen, you can't actually get brought up a carpet like that. If you're going to keep messing it up, I'll just do it my fucking self. <laughs> Pretty certain. I read somewhere, maybe it was like... I'm, this story is in my head. I can't remember if I heard it on here or probably Sam told me about it, knowing him. But there was something about a serial killer who killed people and then he wrote books basically detailing what he did, but as fiction. Really? That's mental. I swear I've heard that somewhere. Whether that's real or someone's gone, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? I swear I've heard that somewhere. I want that's it to be after. I want it to be true. I want it to be true. I want there to be a serial. Yeah, I want it to be real. <laughs> God damn it! Why isn't there enough people? Uh, yeah. So I've just lost my space. Bear with. Um, yes. Edit that out. In my hungover state, I went food shopping. Reached for a pack of sausages, and someone reached at the same time. So I stepped back and said, "Sorry, you go ahead." I then realised I had seen my own arm in the mirror and had apologised to myself in front of a lady handing out samples. <laughs> what makes that slightly funnier is when I used to work in supermarkets, I had made myself jump with my own hand in one of those mirrors. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> to be fair, they're very like, Jesus Christ, aren't they? They are. Oh, you just put your hand up. Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah, I've done that quite a few times. <laughs> I was going to say, it's when it's happened more than once, you know you've got a problem. I, I, compl- I got so disoriented yesterday. I walked into the toilet in that pub and I did the usual wash my hands. Turn around, there were three doors, but I couldn't remember which one I'd come through. So I was like, <laughs> uh, fuck. <laughs> I tried to open a few and then the locked ones, like, I'm stuck, I can't get out. And I tried to run and I was like, oh, <laughs> twat. <laughs> it sounds like when, you know, like, it's got the symbol for the toilet and you go in and there's the ladies, the disabled, the men's, the cleaning cupboard and everything. You walk out, you're like, okay, did I turn a right or a left there? Or did I go forward? It's awful, isn't it? Where am I going? It's awful. Spoons are the worst. Oh, God, yeah. So, Jamie, I'll give you a couple more. Okay. Eating is fucking mental, right? You put food into a cavity where you smash it with 32 bones, but a meat tentacle pushes it down into a pool of acid. That's a really messed up way of looking at my favourite thing in life. That's really messed up. Eating is pretty damn good. But though. I love it at the same time. Sorry, what did you describe the tongue as? A meat what? Uh, a meat cavity where you smash it with 32 bones and a meat tentacle pushes meat it down tentacle. to a, to a pool it? of acid. <laughs> I'm forever calling my tongue my meat tentacle from now on. Nice. That'll get the ladies going. <laughs> Uh, if there's tentacle porn yeah two more the last one I kind of gave away in the interview for next week but I'll still do it for you anyway okay I can't remember it this is somebody went to watch the black phone right and this was their write up and I have to say before I read this out it's phenomenal okay it's a moment I really wish I was there for Okay. Somebody gave the black phone four stars out of five and said, during the screening tonight, someone ripped ass and sounded like they shit themselves right after a jump scare. 0.2 seconds later, a guy came running down the stairs of the theatre out of nowhere and never returned. <laughs> I'm like, was that the whole review? Yeah. The, the image, the, the image is the fact that the guy got so scared. He the fact he said ripped ass is the one of the best things ever, and he shit himself. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> fucking that, that is so excellent. Oh. It's unbelievable. That is so excellent. It's unreal. <laughs> I just love the idea of hearing that noise and then just seeing this dude just leg it down the stairs. Well, I mean, and then never come back. <laughs> Get excellent. And you knew no, you know, knowing his luck, he was right at the top. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a good, it's a good it's a good fucking film, by the way. I'd highly recommend. Um <laughs> I'm just gonna make me shit myself. I can I can think I could probably think of the app bit is as well. Um so finally to end the journal. This version of Trivial Pursuit is from 2008, and I've never been madder at a question in my life. The question is as follows. Who has never been Batman? <laughs> ben Affleck, Christian Bale, George Clooney, Val Kilmer, or Adam West? Why? What is the lightiness of that? That is mental. They can that predict the future. Been wrong. Hey, Trivia Pursuit people, what are the lottery numbers? Because <laughs> that's insane. Of all the random actors to put in as the one that's never been in. 
so weird. That's crazy. Isn't it? I, I bet they're going. When, I bet when Christian Bale got hired, they went, "Fuck off." There's no <laughs> way Affleck will do it. There's no. There's, what? <laughs> Affleck. Shit. <laughs> the person that wrote that card now is going, "Fuck's sake." I should have put money this. on this. I should put money on this. Oh, that. Or oh, the people who are, uh, cast the actors went, oh, Triple Suit got a good idea here. <laughs> yeah, that is what happened. This is a great right idea. This is a great idea. It's probably that one random Triple Suit card I found on the floor of the road. That was his, date, that was his dating question. <laughs> and that oh. was another edition of Tom's Journal. A glorious edition. Oh, Jamie, there are some belters for next week as well. Thank you. Amazing. I appreciate it. There are some fucking belters for next week as well. I can't wait. I cannot wait. But I also cannot wait to give you this piece of resistance. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Chronicles of Ethan Lawrence. Ethan is a BBC actor as of right now. He has also starred in Bad Education with Jack Whitehall. He has also starred in Afterlife with Ricky Gervais and is currently doing CBBC's Horrible Histories, Jamie. He is indeed. I love this interview so much. And what I love more than the interview is how this interview came about. Yes. So a massive thank you. I think it's like Tom Salek's Tash or something on Twitter. (laughs) Um, for listening to the Tom Stade episode uh, from Yonder uh, and hitting up Ethan Lawrence and let him know to come and check out TCO Pod. So massive thank you to that person who recommended us. And he was like, yeah, I'm definitely down. So I jumped on that shit and got him. Um, It's incredible to get to that point where listeners are recommending guests to come on your show. It's quite a feat. It's quite a monumental feeling. Doesn't that just warm the cockles? It's beautiful. But to give a bit of context as well, Ethan basically put a tweet out going, I've got a bit of spare time before I go filming. you got a podcast? I'll be on it. Yeah. Like, he wants to get as many of these done as possible. And here we are today, folks. And, and uh, as Jamie said, it's it's quite a doozy. It's quite, it's quite good. <laughs> this guy is hilarious. Yeah, he's done quite a bit. And he's just a genuinely wonderful, humble human being. Um, and I definitely want to be friends with him for the rest of my life. Um, yes. And I think everybody else will too once you hear this glor- piece of gloriousness is about to grace your ears. It really is. And if you've never watched Afterlife and you've not watched Bad Education, go and watch them because I've watched them both and they're phenomenal. Go watch them now. Go, go. And as Jamie said, and while you're doing that, I'll bring the guest in. Jamie! Yes, sir. Uh, do you supposedly have any final words at all? Just, Ethan, thank you so much, sir. You're so funny, so talented. I wish you all the best for your career because you're going to fly, sir. Phenomenal. Just thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Ethan, as I also second what Jamie said, it was great to have you on the show. We really, really loved it, and we'll have you back in the future. And if you really want some entertainment, guys, go and check out his Twitter. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Ethan Lawrence. Hello. Hello. Ethan Lawrence. It's in the building, motherfuckers. What's going I'm on? I'm in the building. <laughs> I'm in the <laughs> building. I'm You're in the same building. building. You're in. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> That's what I was kind of hoping for. You know what? Okay, cool. Well, no, I'm joking. It's all good. No, How it's you- not even nearly as an impressive background as Chesney Hawks had either, but I can only apologise for oh. that. <laughs> 
That, yeah, that was his dad's shed, apparently. So, uh, well, um, this this is <laughs> you're literally looking at the border wall between the living area and the dining room. So, <laughs> the computer's in a little alcove. So, <laughs> you enjoy that. I love it. I love it. I, I, I like beige walls and a bit of brickwork. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is this is what I'm all about. This is what I'm pushing. As this is why I'm on the pod. I'm all yeah. going to be here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> We don't More care about your career, just those beige walls. Yeah, yeah beige yeah. walls. It's the way forward. It's a neutral colour, boys. <laughs> but it still it still allows light into the room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Makes so the space it... bigger. <laughs> Welcome to the Chronicles of Decorating. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say I'm more about brickwork myself, but you know, you've sold me on the walls now. You've sold me. I'm done. I think. <laughs> I, I, I might. Mean, to be fair, you've got your your, your lovely backdrops, and I can't say how pleased I was uh, to to see uh, the Sophie Lancaster Foundation uh, represented on the oh. thing. I was like, wonderful, glorious. Oh, mate, thank you. Yeah, well, they are a very near and dear, as I, I'm sure they are to you as well. Um, we spoke to Sylvia on our show last year. Yeah, last um, year. And we're literally like. We need to, to, you know, we need to do some work for them. Um, for sure. Raising money. We're almost at uh, a K, a grand already. Um, oh, congratulations. For, oh, thank you very much. Um, you know, for, for a small independent podcast, it's like, that's just mind-blowing. E- even a tenner is mind-blowing. Do you know what I mean? I, just and the you, you've got a hundred times more than that. Well, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's, just, it's just insane. Um, so I can see that we have vanilla Ethan today, yeah? Yeah, we, we, yeah we're doing vanilla Ethan. Okay, that's fine. I decided not to. I mean, <laughs> to be honest with you, if, if you gave me two minutes, <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I could go and dig through my dressing up box. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, I, I did like Hollywood's 30s director, Ethan. Yeah, uh, see? <laughs> this is such a great, it's so great. <laughs> He's perfect. Oh, that it's, was it's an easy accent to do as well. <laughs> I was I was just doing a bit of research on you earlier. I was like, oh yeah, I want to find some at least some little personal tidbits. And then when I saw that, I was like, fucking hell, that's incredible. That's going straight. <laughs> that's going straight in. I mean, um, <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you. I came up with that in about five minutes. Just like, really, just found every prop that I could think of, and I was like, right, how can I use a combination of these props to pad out what's going to be basically three characters? <laughs> <laughs> And so it's like, oh, right, what if I wore the Plague Doctor mask with the punk wig? There you go. That's, that's two yeah, seconds great. of content. It that's... was so great. <laughs> that needs to go viral. It's to be shared everywhere. Everyone needs to check that out right now. Uh, well, wait, fact, it's it my... is one of my worst performing videos of all time. Not really? <laughs> it's that's... not great. It's not great. It's always the way, the ones you put the most effort into, you're like, Bwoof. oh, come on. Actually, actually, no, actually, to be fair, it's gone up a bit. I've, I've just looked at it now. It's gone up a little bit. That's probably me. <laughs> Watching it over and over. Yeah, over and over and over. <laughs> I'm doing numbers, but it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does that count? Does that count, guys? I don't know how any of it counts. I don't even know what counts as a view on TikTok, frankly. No, I, I don't understand. We tried to use it. We were like, we'll just do some little plugs and see what happens. Um, nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I got lucky in the sense that I've been off the telly. So like within a yeah. within a uh, I think it was maybe four or five videos going up, like it started to gain traction because it was like oh oh it's the it's the guy from Bad Education, the guy from Afterlife oh the, and then it started to spiral and snowball from there. Yeah, you know what? I mean, are now eighty one k strong. Oh. Yeah, 
we love it, and it'll just continue to rise, my friend. It'll continue. especially now. Horrible Histories is on the is on the scene. Oh yes, I mean it's yeah. it's, it's, it's. I won't lie; it's currently in free fall, but uh, I, oh, I okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> Should we get the show started? <laughs> oh, sorry, this not the show. <laughs> I caught my end game. Fuck! I'm already really tired. <laughs> yeah. It's like the unofficial show. We're like, this is a banter before, but we end up keeping it in because it's just so good. So, yeah. And, and, yeah, I think that's the, that, that bit was a good edit point that we put in the credits and then, <laughs> yeah. so credits, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically what we do, we probably should get this started before we're running out of content before we even start. Uh, I do a little introduction to welcome you in and then we bombard you with questions. Great, Sim- I'll try and answer as many as I can, as honestly as I can. Beautiful. That is what we like. Right, let's get my intro out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another glorious guest for you to enjoy. Today's guest is a terrific actor who has lent his talents to some of the best of modern British TV. A man who recently stole my heart, asking to be beaten up in a wrestling ring on social media. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who's gone by many names, including Recorder Kid. For Bad Education and the award-winning Afterlife, these are the chronicles of Ethan Lawrence. He has a name now. I know, but I, I just <laughs> recorded kids sound so much funnier for an intro. <laughs> <laughs> Including James. Yes, I mean, <laughs> see, I personally, I would have gone with um, uh, the character I played in The Rebel, uh, Estate Agent Lee. <laughs> <laughs> One of my finest turns, I think you'll find. <laughs> that is phenomenal. That I, mean, is it was, I mean, it was covered in BAFTA, but uh, they didn't let me go. Oh, why? <laughs> You're pivotal. Pivotal get, that. I don't get invited to anything. I would have fallen oh, apart about it. Stay agently. Stay agently. He was. He was. He was the daddy. He was the daddy of UK TV gold. I'll tell you that. So, um, Ethan, I suppose I should absolutely hit you with one of the hardest hitting questions probably ever asked in the inter- interview history, which oh, is: How was your pandemic season? Uh, well, um, so okay, where do we start? Okay. So, I think it's churlish of someone to say that, do you know what, on balance, it wasn't that bad. However, <laughs> for the first nine months, I was out of work. I was, you know, the TV industry was not. Uh, so, I um, was keeping myself afloat with voiceover and everything like that, just doing the best that I could. Uh, but to be honest with you, from December 2020 through to now, it has probably been the busiest, most lucrative and most productive years of my career I think I've ever had. Oh, wow. like. So it's sort of, again, it sounds churlish, but to be honest with you, it's been fine. I got okay. COVID over Christmas last year, which was horrible. Uh, but like, I've, I've had that now. I got through it. Um, no one close to me died. Good. It was... Good. It was it was just sort of fine. Like it's, it sucked, but it's <laughs> yeah, it's weird because we get quite a mixed bag with this sort of thing. A lot of people we speak to go, it was great because I got to, I got to spend time with my wife, my kids. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do some gardening. You know, I got to actually watch my own movies and watch movies myself and actually do this that, and the other. Um, and then the other half been like, well, it's fucking terrible shit, absolutely shit. Like you know, this happened that. So it's really weird, like how I think I land somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah. you know, those, those first nine months were really, really stressful because, like, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, as it went back and back and back with people saying, oh, this will all be over by May. Oh, yeah. this will all be <laughs> over by August. Oh, this will all... And, like, you know, the <laughs> f- first thing I did in December, that that had um, 
uh, an outbreak happen on set which shut everything down for two weeks and so it was sort of like is this going to be how it is now like is it going to be yeah. stop start all the time but it's thankfully it's not been like that moving forward and like I said I, I consider myself remarkably lucky that I was able to sort of catch the upswing of um uh tv and film starting to come back and you know I was I, I was there box fresh ready to go <laughs> and uh I've just been riding that wave. It's all you can do. And um, yeah, that's it, really. Perfect. No, long may it continue. Long may that wave yeah. keep going. Keep surfing oh, that wave. Thank you. No, not at all. Not at all. But a, a question I like to ask all of our guests, like, it feels more slightly redundant with yourself as you're a child actor, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what actor. did you... Yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? Right, so I wanted to be an actor, but I need to put... I'm going <laughs> to... I was 19 when I was in bad education. I was not a child. <laughs> Well, I suppose, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was at university. (laughs) I was drunk for most of it. (laughs) That's why they hired you, wasn't it? That's it. Oh, Christ. He's coming stinking of alcohol again. Just give give him the role. Just give him him the role. It'll be fine. (laughs) He looks good like he's done for an hour. That's perfect for the character. (laughs) That's exactly what we're after. Uh, but to, to, to your more substantive point, um, uh, so I, I love telling this story. This is not the first time I've told this story, so this is not a scoop, but it is fun to say. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the thing I like saying. Uh, so when I was a kid, I grew up um, uh, with a mother who was a, a very proud reader. So I did a lot of reading. My reading comprehension was very good because I was always around books and like, you know, being read to reading when I could and everything like that. I still, still to this day, I love reading. Um, so my reading comprehension was very good. And I decided uh, when I started uh, primary school, I was like, right. I went up to my mother and I said, right, I'm going to be an author. And she said, OK, OK. Um, thing is, though, like it takes a little while for authors to get going. So you're probably going to need a backup plan uh, in place just in case things don't work out. And, you know, with youthful bravado, I was like, ha, no, I won't. <laughs> anyway, I get to secondary school. And um, I start studying drama on the curriculum. So I comes back home and I go, Mum, I have decided I no longer want to be an author. I want to be an actor. And she said, OK, so it's quite difficult to break into the acting industry. So you're probably <laughs> going to want some kind of backup job uh, to go along with that. But I proved all the haters and the doubters wrong by, <laughs> by, by getting a, a role in bad education when I was at university and then coasting on that for seven years until I had to stop because the work dried up and so I had to get a real job for a bit so <laughs> she was right as she always is <laughs> well she wasn't she wasn't <laughs> well I mean you know I, I could say I mean as the sort of the weeks turned to the months turned into what ended up being a full year of out of acting work there was a sort of thing in the back of my head was ah well I, I have been a professional actor uh, but, but, but no more <laughs> Now I am a professional pizza delivery man. With <laughs> it's like you did. of becoming the local regional manager. <laughs> you did pizza delivery in a time when you weren't acting. Yeah, so this was um this would have been let me think now, let's get the dates right in my head. So I did Afterlife Series One in the March slash April of 2018. Uh but um as as we alluded to earlier, I was simply recorder kid back then. I was just, <laughs> like, you know, one one scene one and done like you know i think i was on set for all of about 90 minutes oh really and that, that was like my full work day but then everything started to dry up so in september maybe beginning of october 2018 
um i took up um pizza delivery because you know still gotta pay rent you know i can't just coast on the no money that's coming in (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so started doing that and like i say it's sort of it was supposed to be like a stopgap until the next thing came along. I chose pizza delivery specifically because I thought to myself, well, I can work evenings and during the day, if there's auditions and stuff like that, I can still go out. Uh, very, very smart. Uh, eventually smart. I was taking every single shift that got sent <laughs> and just being like, cause there was just nothing, nothing was going on. It was, I was, um, this is all the kind of, I guess it's a saying sort of, but like, you know, they say that when you're, hot in this industry like you can't you're just turning down offers but when you're cold no one's interested and it was just it was just a run of bad form it happens but it was it was it was trying to make it i'm making it sound like it was some kind of like traumatic experience it wasn't (laughs) like i I enjoyed the work and like you know i'm certainly not too proud to go oh but i shouldn't be doing this because (laughs) it was it was more in my head like okay well i've had my fun i guess i guess this is it now uh, until Afterlife Series 2 came along and um, Ricky Gervais threw down a life ring and uh, pulled me up. And uh, yeah, then we did Afterlife Series 2 in um, the autumn of, of uh, 2019, uh, which you know, ended up meant, meant I could pack in the pizza delivery. And I was like, great, now we've got my momentum back on track. And then March 2020 happened. But we've been over that. <laughs> but I love the fact you didn't give up, though. Okay, you're doing that in the FB. You're like, no, I'm still going to go to auditions. I'm still going to keep trying. I'm not going to give up. This is my dream. I'm going to fucking do it. Well, it's, it's you know, I don't, I don't think think of it in terms of sort of like a manifest destiny. It's more in the case that I, I genuinely don't, don't know what else I have skill-wise. Like, you know, I, I the whole of my teenage years was like learning how to act and how to be on stage. Like I was doing, you know, not, not through like maybe educational ways, but like through doing amateur musical theatre or plays, local drama groups and stuff like that. It was all experience-led and everything on the ground. Um, but it was to the to the detriment of sort of everything else. I mean, like, I was a good student. I was able to, you know, get good grades and everything like that. But in terms of sort of, like, actual practical skills, I don't really have any outside of, uh, like, performing and creating. And, you know, I've been at this 10 years now. I don't really, I don't really know what else I've, I've got to offer the labour market, apart from being a sort of, clown prince <laughs> and picking a dashing shade of beige yeah i've got I, you know what, maybe there's a maybe there's life in my work as an interior decorator <laughs> beige put the table there that'll be five thousand pounds i know you painted it yourself i just picked it for you <laughs> yeah i need money for, for material and costs also yeah for everything <laughs> why am i still an actor i'll just get into that yeah come on it <laughs> sounds easy What's no, going on? <laughs> All right, fine. You've convinced me. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> who, who needs afterlife? Who needs managing? Who needs any of that stuff? Decorating, you know? That's the one. I mean, to be on. fair, it, it could still get me on TV. It's not like there isn't interior decorating programs. Oh, like, my days. There's a glot of them. I could slip in right, right, I'd fit right in. Yeah, beautiful. Done. Let's get Nick Knowles on the phone. That's good. Yeah, that's got- <laughs> We've got the new Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen right here. Let's go. Theo, I asked the rest of the school. It's like, oh, we need a decorator. Who can we call? Beige. Oh, West. Oh, yeah, yeah. Make it let's beige. Get, let's get Beige Lawrence in. Come on. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, it's the Beige Meister. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can see that they probably set it up properly as well. They go, right, you think so? What, 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 what are you thinking? Beige, mate. That's all you need. <laughs> So and I, I can actually I can get the paint at cost. <laughs> I know a guy. 
He was a brick worker there too. <laughs> might as well. Might as well. You know, since he got me, I'm here. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so when you obviously when you go doing all your acting musical theatre, etc., did anybody really influence you into the world of acting, or was it just because of your upbringing with your mum being an uh, being a massive reader? Uh, so, so the bug was organic. Like, you know, that, that came from studying it when I realised that, A, it was a lot of fun, and B, I kind of had a bit of an attitude for it. I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. It's just, again, it's one of those things where, like, it's taken me a long time to get to a point with sort of, like, my mental health and perception of myself where I can say, do you know what? I'm a really fucking good actor. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, you know I, I don't like to see it as arrogant. It's just like, this is what I do. But, um, you know, I had an aptitude for it early doors. So I was like, right, well, you know, I need to sort of continue this. But um, like in terms of sort of like inspirations and sort of people I'd like to model myself after to a certain extent, uh, as well as being a voracious reader, my mother also was very good at introducing me to decent comedy early doors. And I'm talking specifically about the young ones. Yes. Um, Rick Mail is a huge influence on me. And in addition to that, I was introduced to Black Books. Um, oh. with uh, Dylan Moran, Bill Bailey. Like, you know, I used to, I, I, I'm surprised the DVDs that I have of those series still work. Because <laughs> I watched the shit out of them. Like, just... It's great. Like, I'm surprised I haven't just, like, compressed into coal or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, that's that, that really, that was sort of the big thing. Like, I had good comedy influences early, uh, which sort of, you know, set me up to not only be you know, a, a, a comedy man myself, but also kind of a scholar of, of comedy. Like, you know, I love to watch comedy. I love watching, you know, stuff from all different eras, you know, from Monty Python onwards. But then even then there's stuff like Max Miller, like that's like recordings of and things like that. And you can see sort of in those early days, sort of the genesis of what would have become like modern day stand-up. I find all that sort of stuff fascinating. Um, you know, I even wrote uh, an essay on it in university. Like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was, well, it was, it was part of the... Um, uh, the drama and creative writing unit. I was just sort of like, well, you know, I know about comedy. Let's write about comedians, and is you know, it, it worked two one. So perfect. The yeah, most expensive work. piece of paper I own. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think? Do you find comedy this day and age though? It's a lot difficult now to say because you can't say certain things anymore. You can't do certain things anymore because obviously, the world is a very different place now. Well, I think um, people who complain about the idea that you can't do this or can't say this are showing a dearth of imagination. Because it's like, you can. You can do whatever you want, as long as it's good. Yeah. Like, people will forgive a lot of stuff if it's actually genuinely funny. Like, (laughs) I've never understood this argument. I mean, for, for example, take Afterlife. You know, I've had people, literally, I had someone say this to me and I, I, it took everything in my power not to sort of go, you're insane. What you just said is insane. (laughs) They said to me, you couldn't make something like Afterlife today. And I was like, we made it in 2021. What are you talking about? (laughs) Are you insane? Like, (laughs) I don't know, but that's the thing. Like, you know, I think ultimately funny will out. And the ones that get left by the wayside are the ones that weren't particularly funny to begin with. Like, you know, for example, like, take for example, because this has been in the news, right? This has been, you know, what's talked about. We talk about um, uh, transphobic material. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why, you know, people get so up in arms about it, certainly from, certainly from a comedic perspective, 
is that it rarely evolves beyond I identify as an attack helicopter. <laughs> and like that's that's the that's the gag. And it's like, okay, well, we've heard that. That's that's the first dimension. Is there a second dimension? A third? Dare we dream a third dimension? <laughs> and no, it's it's not. It's it's flat and boring. And if it's flat and boring, it's difficult to then justify it as not just flagrant bigotry because you've put no effort in. You know, you can you can literally joke about anything. That is my personal belief. But the joke okay. has to be good. It has to work on its own terms. And like, you know, maybe if you reflect on who you are as a person, do you have anything of note interesting to say about a particular subject? You know, like, for example, I wouldn't write jokes about race simply because I know from my perspective as a white man, I don't really have anything to say. Like nothing, nothing that would be particularly funny at the very least. You know, I'll leave that to people who have lived experience in it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's sort of a. I do struggle with the idea of there being cancel culture. Uh, I, you know, I don't. I personally don't buy it. But you know, there's there's scholarly articles you know about this. I'm not. I'm not the one to be going. Well, here's what I think. <laughs> I, just know, <laughs> I just know from my particular corner of the world that you know I've worked in comedy that has sometimes been quite close to the bone and quite transgressive, and people seem to like it. Yeah, it's it's the ones that go to the, the comedy shows and then go, well, I was offended by that. It's like, but you went to a comedy show, so you kind of got to expect that in a way. You can't just go... I mean, to a degree. I mean, like... So recently, on Britain's Got Talent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not one to slag off other people, right? I, I don't, I'm not into that. But it don't half get on my tit when Amanda Holden goes on about what she reckons comedy is. <laughs> it's like, oh, comedy should always be pushing the boundaries. Oh, yeah, that's why Peter Kay has four houses. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and, like, that's not to say that Peter Kay's comedy is bad. It isn't. It's brilliant. But it's not transgressive. Like, you know, it's not pushing a boundary. It's no. funny because it's nostalgic. It's funny because it's comfortable. And it's funny because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't speak the horses. You can have all different types of comedy. It doesn't have to do anything outside of making people laugh. That is the sole aim of comedy, to make people laugh. That is it. Yeah, and like you can add things onto it if you're trying to explore comedy as an art form, for sure, but it's not necessary, I suppose, is the argument mm. that I'm making. You know, it, it can be whatever you want it to be. Like, you know, it can be a knock-knock joke. That's, that's transgressive, isn't it? My God. <laughs> Remember those old children's joke books you used to get? I bet Amanda Holden hates those because they're not pushing <laughs> the boundary enough. <laughs> doctor, doctor, I feel like a pair of curtains. Pull yourself together, man. Boo, says Amanda Holden. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Why? Sure she's lovely, but she just doesn't know about comedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what the bottom line is right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No problem with Amanda Holden. I just don't like people who don't know what they're talking about pontificating on. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's the same reason why I wouldn't make jokes about things that I don't have enough cultural understanding about. I know my limits, you know. I think that's one of the biggest problems we have in this society. People don't know stuff, but like to be loud about it. Yeah, exactly. That. Social media yes. getting that platform didn't they to do so. People, everyone yeah. has got opinion on everything now. Now <laughs> everyone now. is loudly wrong all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's going to ban every 90s comedy sitcom that ever existed. Yeah, keep that up. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll start on films after. But I mean, yeah. you know, not, not to peek behind the curtain too much for the people listening and watching at home, but yeah, we're, we're doing this on a, on a day where the Conservative government is literally falling apart at the seams. 
I mean, oh. and, uh, and like, you know, we talk about sort of living in a kind of a post-truth, not understanding stuff era. And I'd like to think that this is sort of the, the last dying gasp of these twats. Yeah. Who were <laughs> sort of elevated to positions that they don't deserve to be in because they're, they don't know what they're talking about. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on a rant now. I'm all fired up. I'm sweating. Yeah, I know it's a Twitter earlier. It was just like going, it's just like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. I could just go in and I was like, God, it's God. So this was not problem with watching PMQs today. I was like, these are insane people. What is wrong with them? <laughs> like the government's literally on fire. And there's a Tory backbencher going, don't you think it's great to be in Worthing? I don't know or care. <laughs> I've never been to Worthing. Where even is it? <laughs> I was about to say, I don't even know where that is. Is, near, is it near Reading? I don't know. I <laughs> I, for some reason, I thought it was South Coast for some reason, by Brighton. I don't know. It might uh, be. It might be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a Birmingham. I know Birmingham, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> You've never been outside. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't let me out. <laughs> oh. I get uncomfortable if the ball ring isn't in sight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see that statue. I'm having a bad day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where are you, bronze ball? I need you. <laughs> do, you do you suck life from it? Is that how it works in Birmingham? That's, that's how it is. Draws all, essence out of the ball. We all walk past it and just breathe it in. Yeah. It's like, it's like uh, Westfield, Stratford for Londoners. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to make the pilgrimage once and then they're like, wow, that was terrible. Let's never go back there. <laughs> but I'm now an official Londoner now. I've, I've done it. I've done it. I've been past the Olympic Stadium, son. Hammers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. Right. So, oh, I want to do one. like from a podcast host with someone else. Ah! Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I've shot my head back and cracked my neck. I was like, why? Why would you do done? that? I've reacted and laughed and cracked my neck. I was like, fuck out. Uh, right, I've taken on some liquid now. I'm ready. Oh, Good. Well, You've realized your spine there, Jay. <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, well, this is the first. This is the first time I've been on a podcast where I've physically damaged the host, despite not being in the same room as them. <laughs> oh, sure. We, we should probably get back on track. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you got your break in obviously in Jack Whitehall's Bad Education. How did you end up getting this role? Because it was your first ever TV role, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was my first ever sort of professional anything. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken about this on my TikTok and, and other places, so I won't, I'll, I'll, I'll do short story long. No, other way around. What am I talking oh, about? Yeah. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm already rambling. This is going, this is going really well. I was like, I'm going to truncate this and it's it, now I'm wasting even more time. I think we're up to about, yeah, I think I've wasted possibly 30 seconds of time talking about how I'm going to answer this question. Right. So we'll start now. Here we go. One time, no thought. So, so this amateur musical theatre group that I was with. Um, they set up kind of, I guess you call it like a kind of cottage agency, uh, where the ultimate goal was, yeah, to get like people working professionally in the industry. But most importantly, um, the casting website Spotlight, at least back then, it's probably changed now. But back then you needed either credits, professional credits or professional representation to get yourself on there. And it's, it's one of those awful things about the acting industry where it's sort of like a kind of spiral of... Like it's a snake eating its own tail of people not being able to get in because to get on spotlight in order to get you work, you need to have already worked or be represented and you can't be represented if you've got no work to show for yourself. And you also can't work if you're not represented. 
the industry sucks. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's an absolutely ass backward way of, of doing it. But I was one of those ones lucky enough to sneak through the cracks because, as I say, it might be different now. This was 10 years ago, so the policy may have changed. But back then, like have, being represented was enough. And so being represented by the small cottage agency, I was able to get on there. Now, the agency actually folded before I went to university, but I'd already paid for my year of spotlight. So that, that was ongoing. Um, then we cut to Tiger Aspects, uh, the production company behind Bad Education. About three or four months away from filming, they still didn't have a joke. And so they had like open casting cattle calls just for anyone. And so I got the call to go in um, because they suited what I was looking for. And I was thinking to myself, ah, all right, sure, fine. And so, you know, I went in, not really expecting anything of much. Uh, like, you know, I didn't, I mean, I look back on this now, how utterly unprofessional this was, but I was going through my grungy university phase. So I came in massive beard, hair down here, big coat. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be in your show. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, did, I did the audition, did the recall and got it, nailed it. And then a couple of weeks later, I was on my first professional TV shoot wondering what the hell happened. Sort of kind of that fast. Um, but then that happened. Um, we got this. But when the second episode came out, we got recommissioned for a second series. And so it was like, oh, OK. Um, my agency back then was still um, representing me. I was basically their only client at this point because, like I said, they'd folded. But like there was an active client on the books. Uh, and then uh, I think it was at the I think it might have been at the rap party, actually, of Bad Education Series 2. One of the people there said they knew a guy who knew a guy who used to be a PA for an agent and they might be able to get me in touch. And they did. And uh, that man's name was Michael Ford, uh, who was with DAA at the time, which is uh, Debbie Allen Associates, uh, now no longer, uh, now called Hatch. But I met up with him and um, yeah, we had a chat and then he agreed to represent me. And that will be nine years ago uh, uh, in August, I think. And so that was, yeah, then, you know, the, the, um, uh, my, former amateur musical theatre crew could now concentrate on doing that instead of dealing with legal and payment and everything that goes on <laughs> stuff like that like oh christ another set of cans has come in jesus so, so you know i've got someone who's like you know literal job it is to do that and um i've been very lucky in a way because i mean like i, I can't think of many uh scenarios where like someone's still with the agent that they started with uh, but I'm very fortunate in that regard. Michael's always been very good to me. Hatch has always been very good to me. Uh, so yeah, happy with where I am with that. But yeah, that's essentially a short story, very long. Uh, <laughs> I got, I was very, very lucky and fell into it as backwards. What was it? Like, what was it like being your first set though? I bet it's like this, like mum, I've done it. I've done combination it. Combination of really, really excited and absolutely terrified. Really? Um, I could imagine. So I'd never, I'd, I'd never worked with camera before. Like, you know, oh, all of my experience was on stage and, it, you know, it, it sounds stupid when you say it out loud, but like the two disciplines are radically different because like on stage, obviously everything you do is calculated so it can be seen from every seat in the house. Hmm. Whereas with the camera, you don't need to do that. Everything could be smaller. And it took, it took me a while. I mean, I look back at some of the scenes in series one about education and I cringe because I look at it and I'm seeing a theatre actor having to learn in real time. 
out of, uh, at the camera. But then the irony is now is that I've been doing TV for so long and I've done so little theatre that if I was to go back to doing theatre, I'd probably be doing everything really nuanced and small. Yeah. And like, you know, people in the sixth row are going to be like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Speak up. You're on TV anymore, kid. <laughs> so it must have been mental then when it got commissioned for a movie. So you've gone from TV to a film. Obviously, but still with the same cast. So, like, what, what, that's obviously two very different beasts. To a degree. I mean, it, it, in terms of sort of like the actual thing of it, like, you know, we've done three series and we're going to a film, that was wild. But we also had the same director for the film as we have for series two, Elliot oh, Hegarty, nice. lovely man. And to be honest, it, it was shot a lot like how the TV show was shot. Oh, no. Because okay. don't fix what ain't broke, right? Like, you know, we had a system and it was working. And, you know, it's, yeah, I, we did the film, and the only real significant difference between it and the TV show was the fact that we were in Cornwall. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like you know, there was there was a little bit more money about, so like we could do some more mad shit. Uh, I mean, for me, it was the location of my first fire stunt, which um, I, I will always remember. And you two are looking at me as if you've I've seen no the idea film. I'm trying to about. remember that bit. Uh, my oh, arm gets set a while. on fire after. Um, getting doused with alcohol and punched into Ian Glenn's cigar. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Shit. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was my first fire stunt. I, where, where I can, I like to do my own stunts. Uh, sometimes, that's ob- sometimes that's obviously impossible because I'm an overweight, unhealthy man clattering towards his 30s. <laughs> uh, so obviously I can't be doing like backflips off a climbing wall anymore. Oh. Not that I ever could. <laughs> But <laughs> so could you ever have it? Nor have I ever played a character that would either. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so sometimes it's obviously impossible. But like where I can, I, I, I'm fascinated by stuff like that and like the like the actual mechanics of putting a stunt together. I, I mean, to be honest with you, that's broadly true of the whole sort of film set mentality. Especially in the early days, I'd be going around like badgering all the different uh, departments and units, like asking what what they do and what, what's being done here, and like just learning and sort of drawing in information because I found the whole thing absolutely fascinating. Still do, like you know when when I when something happens on the film set that I haven't seen before, I'm like, ooh, so that's how they do that. Forgetting that, like you know, I'm I'm there. I'm not watching like a <laughs> BTS or anything like that. I'm like, oh. You can't help it though. You you know you you love it. It's why you dedicated your life to it. You see something you never seen before. You're like, Ooh. Well, that's it. Like there was a film I did, um, How to Talk to Girls at Parties, which was the first time um, I'd saw seen a camera on a thirty meter crane. Wow! And I was like, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Look at that. And so it was. We could get this huge sweeping shot of me and the boys walking down a street in Sheffield. Because fun fact. Sheffield in 2015 looks identical to Croydon in the 1970s, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know about location scouting, but apparently that's what they decided. They were like, yeah, yeah, this looks like the 70s in Croydon. <laughs> did, they, did they watch This as England? Because that's set there, isn't it? In like 86 and 90, I went, perfect, we'll have it as well. That's we'll it, take- we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's go. <laughs> Sheffield, the city of the past. <laughs> it just didn't, it did not make me laugh that most of the externals for that film were shot in Sheffield when it was all supposed to be in Croydon. <laughs> you find that a lot with film and TV, though. Nothing is ever filmed where it's set. Oh, no. I mean, like, take uh, a perfect example of that for me is um, 
uh, Bad Education Series 2, Episode 1, The Swimming Gala, hmm. uh, where the exterior of the Swimming Gala was uh, this leisure centre in Dagnan. Uh, the changing rooms, I think, I think were a set uh, in a studio, and the pool was in Hammersmith. <laughs> so you had this sort of bizarre situation where we'd walk into a building in Dagnan teleport to Wimbledon Studios <laughs> and then teleport to Hammersmith which is but of course when you watch it you can't see the joint this no, is why location scouts are, are are in work they know what they're doing <laughs> they didn't think they'd just find this one leisure centre that had everything they needed no a lot of it does come down to logistics and availability because oh, okay. like you know yeah. especially if you're going to a location you have to clear it with everyone there and then there's legal and then there's money and blah, 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 blah. So by and large, even though it sounds kind of clunky and disorganised and uncoordinated, there's reasons for it, usually financial, I would bet. Yeah, probably financial, yeah. So I, I know you've probably been asked this a billion times when it comes to Joe, but I want to know the answer to this. Uh-huh. The, bowl, the bowl cut, was it real or fake? Real. Oh, you absolute hero. <laughs> I mean, you say hero. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd use the word martyr, personally. <laughs> How long did you have to keep that haircut? Seven weeks. So, oh God, you said you said that like a man that's had Vietnam flashbacks. I was at university <laughs> at the time. Yeah, too. Oh no, that was a good good two months. No. <laughs> Still, things improved when they shaved it all off. I guess. Oh yeah. Very <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. Do you still like see and speak to any of the any of your? classmates from a rarely uh, if ever um i speak to um jack binstead who played um rem dog fairly regularly we commenting on each other's tiktoks and everything like that but i think one of the things that people forget is that like the last time we were all actively working together uh was in 2015 which is you know it's a a long time ago like you know it's absolutely you naturally drift apart even though you know working together for that length of time is so intense like, you know, you do sort of naturally move away. And like, to be fair, I mean, all of us are sort of following our own paths now. Like, you know, some of us aren't in acting anymore. Uh, some are in hella acting, uh, like your man, Charlie Wernham, uh, EastEnders uh, man, <laughs> former Hollyoaks dude. <laughs> and um, I mean, to be honest with you, I think uh, I, I'd, I'd make the argument. I don't think there'd be many who disagree with me that um, the major beneficiary from... Um, Bad education would be Leighton Williams, uh, who played Stephen, uh, who's now West End star, bloody going over to LA and being in shows and sort of like all kinds right. of mad stuff like that. He's done extraordinarily well. And I couldn't be more proud of him. Fair play. I love to see that. I love to see that yeah. as well. That you know you're proud of your of your people that you work with and whatnot. Oh, for sure. Like I mean, yeah, I'm, it's huge. There's it's it's one of those things where the, you know we were a small nucleus of young talent who were sort of all drawn together into this thing. Some had been in the industry for a little while. Some were just starting out. But, like, you know, here we are sort of 10 years on from that initial part. And, like, you know, we're all sort of living living, living our lives, living our best lives, as they say. Yeah. And it's, it's just good to see that people are still doing well. Like, you know, yeah. even if they aren't in acting anymore, like, you know, they've, they've found fulfillment elsewhere. And, you know, that's, that's great. It kind of blew my mind a bit when you said 2015 is so long ago now. Like, oh God. That's the thing. I think because like, of its because of its availability on Netflix, you sort of think to yourself that, oh, they they might have made that recently. Uh like, you know, shows have more staying power than they used to back in the day when like the only time you'd be able to watch it was if there was a repeat or if there was a VHS. Yeah. 
Yeah. Whereas now it's sort of readily available. So it sort of feels like it didn't really go anywhere, if that makes sense. Mm. When in reality, like for me, like, you know, I, I don't, I tend to watch things when they come out and then never again. And so like, I haven't seen any bad education related content in seven years. Oh, wow. So for me, it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's ancient history. Like, you know, I've, I, it was so long ago and I've done so much since then that it's always kind of sort of kind of jarring when people are like, oh, I was watching Bad Education last night. And I was like, really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Do you that. not know that Sherwood is available? <laughs> <laughs> That's recent. Fucking hell. I love it. Oh. So obviously after bad education, you kept yourself busy with roles in like Doc Martin, modern horror stories, etc. Some of those projects, like when skimming through your IMDB, looked really fun. But from what I could tell, that any particular standout moments or projects from that time? Um, how to talk to girls at parties was a really big one for me. Um, that was my first sort of exposure to working on a film with like American money backing it. Hmm. And it was so different from everything else I'd ever done. Because, uh, I mean, I'd done two films by that point, but both of them were BBC-backed. Yeah. Uh, so they were sort of shot kind of a bit like TV shows. Uh, whereas, like, you know, with How to Talk to Girls, um, it, it being not only based on a Neil Gaiman short story, so you know it's going places, uh, but also directed by John Cameron Mitchell, who's, like, such an, a visually interesting director. And the, the, the way it looked and the way it sounded and the way it was to act, it was... I mean, it was, it was great. Like, it, it was a really eye-opening experience, uh, sort of seeing how it works when you're making a, f- a film film, as it were, as, as opposed to, not, not to say that um, uh, uh, Up All Night or Bad Education were lesser, just that they were different uh, because they were drawn from TV. But, you know, when something is built from conception to be, you know, a cinematic piece, it's, it's a very different experience. I wish that film had done better than it did. Uh, if I have a, a, a big regret in my career, it's that that didn't take off the way I felt like it should have done. Not so much for me, but for the film itself. I really, really believed in that project. And uh, but, you know, sometimes things happen. And it just doesn't it just doesn't hit with the audience at the right time. And it, it falls by the wayside, which is a shame. And it's sort of. I mean, with the caliber of people in it, not including myself in that, but like, you know, we had, we had Nicole Kidman, we had Al Fanning, we had Matt Lucas, we had Ruth Wilson. Like, you know, these were big, big hitters, like any one of which could open a film basically on their own. Uh, but due to circumstances that you just can't control, it, it, it just didn't hit. It didn't, it didn't catch fire like we were hoping. Um, but yeah, I will never forget that five weeks that we spent, some in Sheffield, uh, standing in for 1970s Croydon. And some some locations in London uh, standing in for the inside of places in 1970s Croydon. Um, <laughs> we did. Um, there was a whole sequence in the um, minor spoilers. If you haven't seen House Talk to Girls at Parties, they find aliens in a house, right? <laughs> and uh, the alien house was this. Um, it was a former uh, asylum in Richmond sort of like this kind of really spooky sort of country pile sort of in what would have been like you know proper like fields of London back in the day but now sort of been swallowed by the miasma of the city uh and it was it was really like curious and odd and really creepy especially when they decked it out with all the alien stuff on the inside you're just sort of walking around it and like one of the earliest things that we shot was us coming into this building and sort of seeing it on the inside for the first time and I hadn't before. And so like, I didn't really need to act that much when I 
come in and see all this mad shit going on. I'm just like, oh, 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 in 2018, as we, as we alluded to earlier, you were offered the role of recorder kid in Africa. Ah. So how did that role come about then? Uh, same way that any role comes around. Audition. Just audition. Um, I think I had to drive to that one, though. Normally, I take the train into London, but I think it was a, it was on the other side of London, so it was just easier just to bomb around the M25. Uh, but yeah, it was with, um, it was with Tracy Gillen, a uh, casting director, who, I mean, I would argue has done more for my career than any individual person. <laughs> um, like she's been the casting director, and I think at least half of all the things that I've done over the years. Wow. And like, you know, we've, we've spoken and it's good to have good relationships with casting directors because like, you know, when they're given the brief, they've got to be like, right, well, who's going to be good for that? And like, you know, I think I mentioned earlier that I'm sort of kind of comedy mercenary. And so, like, you know, but like if, if they need someone who's like, you know, safe pair of hands who they know they can know that work their way around a joke, they can send me in knowing full well that they'll get a good audition tape at least. And if, even if they don't like, you know, it's fine. It will all be good. Uh, but yeah, this was literally just one of those. It was like, Oh, um, Ricky Gervais got a new project starting up. Um, are you interested in this sort of minor role? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to turn that down. I am I'm stupid. <laughs> so, so I went around, did the thing. I mean, it was just sort of, do that. Uh, funny. All right. Bye. 90-minute drive home. <laughs> um, got caught in traffic. It was dreadful. Oh, <laughs> fuck's sake. M25. M25 at Rush. That's not the way. Uh, but yeah, then call came back. Yep, they want you. Be here at this time. Turned up. Did the thing. Went home. Thought nothing of it, really. It was just sort of like, oh, right. Well, that's that then. Was, was the brief literally, can you play two recorders through your nostrils that wasn't even necessary for the role i mean i did learn how to do it but that's Amazing. that's by the by well only because i wanted it to look real the fact that you actually went full pelt and actually learned how to play two recorders through your nostrils is it took incredible. me half an hour it's not hard is it really not it's, in fairness i to sort of defend myself a bit here uh i do have grade two clarinet so oh, I do know about. It's just showing off now. I know about Amisha and that's amazing. Control. Oh, uh, so okay. I, I knew how to get that uh, the air coming out of my nose in a consistent pattern. So then all it was then was learning the finger placement uh, for <laughs> London's Burning. Because I only because you just you just know you just know if I hadn't done that and was sort of moving my fingers at random, there'd be some twat. On Reddit yeah. or something. Oh yeah. Being like, eh, I don't think he was playing that actually. Oh, <laughs> you think? Yeah. It was pre-recorded, obviously, because we're trying to record for sound here. Are you insane? Oh my god. But I've, I've, I've started to calm down with those people a lot more. So oh. I sort of think to myself, there's always going to be something. What I don't, like, you know, I've seen how hard people work in continuity to make sure everything's just so, and it is so rare when something slips through the cracks. And then there's these <laughs> chuckle fucks, like going like, oh, oh, well, actually, I think you'll find that when he was wearing the hat in the previous scene, the peak was going to the right, and it's on the left, and it really ruined my sense of immersion. Oh, 
If you were looking for that, you weren't watching the film anyway. Oh, oh fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> I noticed that when he had a glass of water and the level kept changing, kept going up and down. Oh, did it? Yeah. Might be because we had to do the take multiple times to make sure that it was right and correct. <laughs> oh, get a hobby. I, I realize I'm coming across like a kind of sort of aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but in the best way. <laughs> Fucking hell. Here's because I've had some bad news before I came on the podcast. My local butchers is closing. No! Like, we supported it throughout the pandemic and it's 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 unfortunately time up. And like I found that out about half an hour before going to do this record, and I was genuinely devastated. Oh, I, we... I was like, I, I'm, so I've come in here with a fire and a passion that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> normally inflict on some some strangers <laughs> I've never met. <laughs> but I'm now just doing impressions of some straw man that I've invented on Reddit, being <laughs> this little nerd watching. Art, art. I love it because that's what people do, though. I don't I get it. Like, I didn't think it's gonna get noticed in some way, or like, I don't understand keyboard warriors. I don't get them. I don't. I don't. What is your purpose? Like, uh, and this this is to a lesser degree. That I'm, I'm in this case, I think I'm perhaps being a bit unfair. But like, for example, um, when I started up my TikTok and sort of opened up sort of to Q and A, one of the questions that I got quite a few times was um, in the series. Uh, Joe's mum is played by a different person than in the movie. Hmm. Uh, what's all that about? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it was it was it, person? it was a it was a production decision that was made way above my head and way above my pay grade. And to be honest with you, I think you'll probably enjoy the film more if you don't think about it. It's, it reminds me of those people that were like, "Well, why is Mel Smith and the genie in Aladdin?" Well, let me sit you down for a second and uh, let's have a little shall we? <laughs> now, I'm not sure if you know what happened within the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but there was a, there was a tragedy. <laughs> a, massive, a massive tragedy. And unfortunately, we can't resurrect the dead. Uh, so, so, I mean, the, the less said about whether we really needed a live action remake of Aladdin is... Well, well yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maybe they did. Maybe people were clamoring for it. I don't know if I was. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. For it. No. No, Jafar was way too young to begin with. Like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it made money, so that's yeah. it at the end of the day. No, yeah. But they're definitely, on the, like, Robin Williams is a hero, a legend, an icon, and he always will be an absolute hero. Um, but- I did sort of, I, I thought it took quite big uh, cajones of Will Smith to have the courage to step into that role. Oh, yeah. I'll give him credit. I, I, I oh, can't yeah. imagine it was an easy decision. No, because you think it to yourself, ah, oh, I'm sort of, I'm sort of treading on the Mona Lisa here a bit. <laughs> yeah, like because you know, let's be honest, if you say name me a role by Robin Williams, it's going to be in the top five. That someone's going to mention is the genie. Top five for sure. Top five and, for sure. Top five, top one maybe not, but top five definitely. But yeah, easily, and it's not even his bloody face; it's just his voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he had that. He's had such a great voice, didn't he? Really I have a, I have on DVD. I have a stand-up show that he did in two thousand and four, and it's uh, it's a good show, isn't it? <laughs> That's that all I really have on that. It's a good show. His stand-up, mate. His stand-up is hilarious. I love his style because it's uh, the kind of slapshot nature of it. In that I can say three things in ten seconds, and there's a good chance that one of them will be funny, and that's good enough to get me onto the next ten seconds. Like, you know, it's just as long as you're quick enough. I mean, mm. I, to be honest with you, I found that back in the 
old days of yore when I used to do stand up. I realize now that I must have been a kind of sort of uh, subconscious influence because I also like going fast and saying things really quickly. And part of the joke is that I've got these really complicated and textured paragraphs that I'm rattling through at 100 miles an hour. And I'm thinking to myself, that's, that's, got, that's got Williams on it, hasn't it? That's a, that's a Williams <laughs> maneuver. <laughs> the Williams maneuver. Like that. I was. <laughs> I was literally going to ask you about that actually before we get back to afterlife. Was that you did? I, I saw that you did do stand up before. Uh, why did you stop? A uh, combination of things. Uh, number one, uh, I was at a level at stand up where I was making considerably less money than I was earning. Ah, uh, well, I'm sorry, losing. I, I worded that weirdly. Cut that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fact, cut all of this. Let's start again. <laughs> Uh, no, but basically I was spending more money traveling to gigs than I was earning while mm. I was there. Uh, so it wasn't really financially viable. I'd been falling out of love with it for quite a while, partly because of the financial thing, okay. partly because I felt like I wasn't making any progress, partly because I found the act of actually writing new stand-up, like pulling teeth. Uh, but then ultimately the decision was basically made for me by going into pizza delivery. Oh, okay. Because uh, no, no, I, I was working there. I mean, oh, to, it makes it sound like that was the thing that did it, but I I was on the way out anyway. But, you know, that kind of sort of cemented it where I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to do it for as long as I'm here anyway, so I might as well quit. Uh, and awesome. I've not really felt any compunction to go back. I mean, pandemic notwithstanding, it's just not something that interests me anymore. Okay. No, that's like, I, still, I still like watching stand-up. I still, you know, absolutely adore stand-up as an art form. I just realised that I'm not... It's sort of going back to what we were talking about earlier. I don't think I've got anything to contribute. Okay. So I'd be best to sort of just leave it alone and get on with what I am good at, which is acting. Yeah, no, fair. Yeah. Fair, fair enough, yeah. So That's probably the most serious answer I've given to any of your questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm see, really sober and like, yeah, well, you know, oh, financials, yeah, yeah overheads. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, as we said, you went from a bit part in series one, being recorded kid, to then being like one of the main characters in the show with a name and everything. How James. That, how, yes, James. How did that <laughs> how did that happen? Was that the plan all along or was that just happened? Uh well, I, I was completely out of the loop. I was doing pizza delivery. I didn't know anything was going on. Uh all I know is I get the call and they're like, well, well I get the call from my agent who had been talking to Tracy, who'd been talking to Ricky. And they were like, Yeah, they want to, they want you to come back and they want you to do all six apps. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> right, great. <laughs> why (laughs) but like no answer was forthcoming i mean you know you can you can build your castles in your head and i I like to think that i did a good enough job during that first series for them to think oh this 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 has got legs this would be funny uh you know you you sort of have to believe that because you you know you've got got back yourself somehow uh and you know to to a certain degree it must be true because like you know it's 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 ricky's baby if he you know, he wouldn't put a deliberately bad actor in it just for oh, no. that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work. Like, you know, but, you know, it's a story that he wanted to tell, I guess. But um, to answer another question, sort of in your point, which, which is that um, you got to remember that when that first series went out, there was no guarantee of a second series. No, it's very true. Um, especially with Netflix being how it is, uh, where, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much for a show to abruptly come to a, to an end. Uh, so, you know, there's there's never any guarantees of this. I mean, even if you are Ricky Gervais, like, you know, there's 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 never any sort of guarantee. But like, you know, the first series did well enough for, you know, Netflix to, you know, spend a, a 
considerable amount of money to keep him as in-house talent. And, you know, fair play to them because, you know, it's, it's certainly not doing, it's doing no one anything bad. Like, you know, Ricky's got an earner that he can keep going and keep creating. He's got an outlet to keep creating. Netflix keep producing, you know, record-breaking content with his stand-up shows and his um and his sitcoms, which I was lucky enough to be a part of. So, yeah, um, everyone wins, I guess. Absolutely. And, I mean, certainly it's a big sure. win for me. Like, you know, going, you know, thinking to myself, well, you know, I might as well start working really hard to, you know, become the manager of this store and then the regional manager. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I am I'm, think I may be here for a while. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to get out and then here we are. As I say, I've, I've had a, a crazy um, year and a half so far. Sorry, Mr. Great. Pizza Delivery Man. Ricky Gervais needs me. I'm off. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yes, I'll do my two weeks. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell Ricky he has to wait. <laughs> I read somewhere online the other day, it really made me chuckle. There was a rumour going around that your character was actually based and named after James Corden. Obviously, Ricky's denied this, but yeah. have you seen that theory? I've seen the theory, yeah. And like, you know, people believe what they want. I mean, it certainly wasn't something intentional that I was putting into the character. And if Ricky said it wasn't, then it, it wasn't. And no. we have no reason not to trust him. So I, I can kind of see why people would think it in a way. I'm not going to lie. But... Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, people, the amount of times I get, oh, you look like James Corden. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's because your only reference for an overweight white British man is James Corden. I'm doing <laughs> what I can to redress the balance. You know, <laughs> it's that Reddit fucking together, isn't it? One day, one day, people are going to go, they're going to see a fat white guy on TV and go, oh, you look like Ethan Lawrence. And I'll be like, hell yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, Ethan? We're going to start doing that right now. Uh, yeah. Great. This is what we're going to start doing. The it. movement starts here. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to save your butchers and we're going to start. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's erase James Corden from the cultural side. Let's do it. Let's oh, do it. We should do that anyway. I mean, I've, I've got to say, I am gutted that he's coming back to the UK because I have to bring up all his parts. I mean, Stacey called. Like, it's just, <laughs> America's gain was my gain also. <laughs> Oh, still. Go on, Joe. I was going to say, obviously, we've mentioned Ricky. So he's a man who has many different opinions of him. Personally, I think he's an absolute genius. But what was he like to work with? Great. Brilliant. I mean, on on the classic sort of like uh, morning magazine show when everyone's gathered in a really overlit studio on an uncomfortable sofa, anyone who's working, worked with or or working with Rebase will relate the story of the fact that he likes to finish at four o'clock. Uh, which is true. Uh, your average shoot day will be cameras start rolling at eight and um, cameras wrap at seven, uh, but he does it at four. Uh, doesn't like to work past four. If we're still working at half four, something's gone dreadfully wrong. Uh, and it gives like the crew an opportunity to like go home and see their families. Because again, even though those are the work dates, they've got to be in before because the cameras need to be rolling at eight, not mm-hmm. we're getting the cameras in at eight. So like, you know, there's a long neck and a long tail on these work days so they're able to go and see their families you know we're able to decompress and concentrate more i think it's a good way of working the only way he's able to do that is by working efficiently and with economy of scale uh and it helps then that he's sort of like you know the kind of the mastermind behind all sort of the main decisions on the thing because he's the writer the star and the director so he already knows what shots he wants. He already knows what setups he wants. He already knows what coverage he wants. He doesn't need to do anything else. There's no sort of butting heads with like, you know, 
um, the creator and the director because they're the same guy. Yeah, awesome. So that, that's that's really what it is. As a person, he's very friendly, very giving, uh, very kind. You know, he's he's done wonders for my career. And the the thing with any set or any workplace really is that the general tenor and mood of the workplace is set from the top and trickles down, right? So like you know, if you've got if you've got an asshole boss, it's going to be a toxic atmosphere. Yeah, I think many people can probably relate to that. Uh, he's he is not toxic. <laughs> he's lovely. He you know comes in with a chip in his step and like you know the that infectious laugh and the fact that you know we're sort of here to you know we're here, we're here to create something, but you know we're also this is also supposed to be fun. Like you know, it's it's a creative. Uh, improvisational sort of outfit and so like you know we have the space to play which is um you know it's important especially in comedy i think it's definitely got the boundaries again it pushes the boundaries massively afterlife well yeah and this is this again i know i've said it before but it's where i'm sort of like oh you can't joke about anything anymore can't you because no I'm, i agree you definitely can I, you can joke about anything i'm 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 reasonably certain he called a child the c word in episode one Yes, yeah. he did. I've yes, not laughed did. that hard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, oh, that, oh, that's the final taboo, is it? <laughs> the four horsemen are coming. That's it. The final boundary. We're done. Yeah, yeah. You can't be mean to children. <laughs> do, do you remember back in the day, the 90s, when kids shows, the animals of Five Wood is a great example. Well, animals died Don't like every episode. That. Don't talk about that. Why? I don't want to hear about the animals of Five Wood. Traumatising. What? But what? But kids shows now are so watered down. What? I disagree. Okay. Fair there is a, here, here's where I disagree, right? So I've worked on horrible histories, right? Yeah. Here are the three ingredients you need to make a perfect horrible history sketch. Shit. <laughs> farts. Racist European accent. <laughs> That's all you need. And you're telling me that it's sanitized. Well, because like in, in the most recent series that we did, there was a full sketch, which was just a bunch of people doing French accent shitting in a garden. It's, <laughs> I, think, I, I think the state of children's TV is fine. In that case, in that, in that case, I'm going to retract my. I've obviously, being a 35 year old human, I've never seen horrible histories because obviously it's catered more on CBBC, etc. So I think that's what it uh, is. Uh, you know, not 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 to sort of you know discourage or discredit you, but I think it's all. just because you might not have seen much children's TV programming recently. Nope. <laughs> Uh, no. So you've taken the lead from people saying, "Oh, it's all water." It's bloody not, mate. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad. I'm bloody glad. I haven't got any kids of my own. So again, I still haven't seen anything like recent. If that makes sense, I've got like nephews and nieces and stuff. But now, here's the thing: if, if you if you went on the iPlayer now and whacked on a, uh, an episode from the most recent series, you will not be able to move for fart jokes. Perfect. Well, You'll that's be what fine. I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> that's my off. The food one's quite good. I play a German uh, uh, war official in that one. Oh, amazing. That's going straight on then. Excellent. <laughs> Any German accent done by a British guy. Oh. Again, like I said, that's one of the, the one, one wing of the trifecta that makes it perfect. Yeah. Like. Someone going, oh, 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 the France. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, beautiful, is it not? Uh, baguette. <laughs> I did one where I had to play a, um, a Swedish inventor, uh, Gustav something. Basically, he invented the plastic bag. Okay. And so he's like history's greatest monster. 
But like his his whole thing was like initially his intentions were pure because he was like the thing about making the bags out of plastic instead of paper is that they'll last longer and can be reused. At which point all the supermarkets were like, "We'll have a billion of them, please." <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, "Okay, ah, oh, I'm sad, but I'm very rich, so I guess it's fine." And so I was thinking to myself, "What am I going to do for like a Swedish accent?" Because the only sort of cultural reference point I've got for a Swedish accent is Swedish. It's, it's, it's Abba or Swedish chef, right? <laughs> and like, I can't very well go on the CBBC, educate, inform, entertain. I can't very well go on that going. I mean, I did. Yeah, and. I'm ashamed of it, but I'm not talented enough to do the Swedish accent any sort of justice slash dignity. But it'd be weird if you went out going, knowing me, knowing you. Even more uh, weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just sing the whole paragraph. <laughs> Plastic bagger, here we go again. It is made of plastic. <laughs> Yes, I've been broken, <laughs> but I've made a bunch of money. <laughs> Fuck you, all <laughs> the polar bears. <laughs> now they're charging five pig. <laughs> that was our mitigation for the for the, uh, for the worst for the monster, greatest monster in history. Oh. Brilliant. Well, Sorry, I take, a, take, a, take a beat. Take a beat. Say, no, <laughs> Is there a horrible histories about him? About, uh, about the biggest monster in history. <laughs> so there have been ones about the Nazis. I don't know if there's been one specifically about Hitler himself. Um, but like you know, the Germans that we played were World War One. Um, okay. Officials, which are you know are still still pretty evil to be fair on the grand scheme of things, but, yeah. um, but and <laughs> well, I know that there's dark. been Nazi content done back in the day, and like but you sort of you can't not really. It's no. like the most significant event of the last hundred years. Oh yeah, it would be it would be dishonest, I think, not to do that. But like you know, you can still sort of puncture it with humor. I think uh, again, you can, you can joke about ridiculous. anything. Even on kids' TV, you can go, oh the. Here's some of the mad stuff the Nazis did. Like, I mean, even in the case of this First World War sketch, it was about, um, it was specifically about how there was a ration on sausages in World War One Germany uh, because they needed like the um, like the stomach lining of pigs to make zeppelins. Because, uh, like, you know, all these things were done. So, like, they were rationing sausages so that they could like butcher pigs to like make all these sorts of stuff. And the premise of the sketch was the the guy going so obviously there will be a ration on sausages and like all the other officials going what <laughs> i don't think that's a good idea <laughs> like getting all this pushback and like it's not a way so that we can still have the sausages we need some oh <laughs> for the motherland <laughs> Oh, that accent's amazing. My German is a camp German. I don't know how to do another one. <laughs> I tried sort of, so... I tried sort of lowering the voice, but then it sort of went Russian. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. So I have to, it has to be up there. <laughs> the little German boy up here, because if I go deeper, it's suddenly Sergey. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vodka. <laughs> 
Oh, that show must be so hard to record, though. Surely you must piss yourself laughing so much. So my big shock was turning up on day one. So this, uh, I'll start. I'll start from the uh, sort of the back end. Sort of give you a, a sort of sense of scale yeah. here. So on Afterlife, we generally shoot on average five to seven pages a day. Okay. Um, that's and that's about standard for sitcom. You know, it means you can get decent coverage. You get everything nice and easy. I turn up on Horrible Histories day one and we are set to do 17 and a half pages. And I was like, that's a typo, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going through the sides and I'm like, no, they are fully intending to shoot five sketches today. Holy shit. And they have one camera. What? And it's like, and so I was going into it like, I was I was shitting myself. I was like, how, how, how is this going to work? I, I don't, understand how logistically we're going to have the time to do this but we did it because we had to because it's cbbc and there's no money so oh. so we had to get it and so we did like necessity is the mother of invention they have to do five sketches a day wow. and so and, and instead of complaining about it they just do it because so, they have to so if you laugh and you waste the take you're dead i mean to a degree <laughs> but i mean to be honest with you, like when, when the pressure's on, stuff starts becoming less funny. Yeah. And so, like, you know, you're not laughing at it so much. And in addition to that, like, you know, when when your back is properly up against the wall, you'll find that you can turn out a decent performance and you have learned your lines and you have remembered. There is a, you know, it would I would feel utterly embarrassed if I turned up on set and wasn't completely across my words for the day. Hmm. Like, you know, that's part of my professionalism of what I'm bringing to the thing in the same way that camera people bring all their tech and are ready and know what they're doing. And so do the Sparks and the makeup team, hair and costume. They know exactly what they're doing. Like, I would expect I would expect the same sort of professionalism for me and the other actors that the others would as well, because at the end of the day, it's a collaborative process. Um, and so, yeah, Horrible Histories is, is tricky, but exhilarating. Because you're going at like 500 miles an hour and you could very well be playing multiple different characters from multiple different time periods in one day. I had one day where I think I went, I went from a, a dying middle-aged sailor uh, to a Celt, to a Roman, all in one day, which all required com- full costume changes, wigs and um, facial hair changing over. I stank of spirit gum for like the next week. <laughs> oh... <laughs> It was the height of summer as well. Oh, no. <laughs> Yummy. I bet you must actually quite learn quite a few things doing that show as well, to be fair. There were lots of things I didn't know, like the um the, the German sausage ration thing. Yeah, I was like, when you said, was like, said that, that minute ago, I was like, really? I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> I didn't know that. How did they lose? <laughs> and like, you know, nine series in, they're still finding stuff that like, that, yeah, it hasn't been already used in the in the previous series. It's, 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 it's. And it's 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 great. It's a real it's a real gem of um British television. I really do believe that. I mean it I mean the awards it's one speak for itself. Mm. You know, it's it's one of the most decorated shows I think there's ever been. <laughs> I've heard UK. nothing but amazing things about it from, from kids and parents who absolutely love that show. Now that is one of its beauties. I think because it is so riven um with with shit and, and farts, um, like the parents can enjoy it as well. You know, it's because they because in addition, like you know, when I did that, I was 28 years old and I was learning stuff. 
And I, I have no doubt uh, when I go back to do more, I'll find out even more crazy stuff. I love it. It's amazing. Aren't they acting CBBC? Uh, there's talk of doing it in 2025, but let's be honest, the current government is on fire. So, it might, so yes, so, come we, on. We might not even have the same prime minister tomorrow. So let's maybe let's maybe park yeah, CBBC sorry. for now. Yeah. <laughs> long may, let's hope it doesn't end like your butchers. May it, may it long may it live. Long I mean, may it live. Here's my thing ultimately with regards to that. It's sort of two things. Number one, people say a lot of things are going to happen and then they subsequently don't happen. And number two, I still think ultimately there will be a space for CBBC programming, even if they don't have a CBBC channel. Yeah. Like, you know, you could you could put it in the afternoon slot on BBC two. And like, yeah. you know, some people will be like, oh, but home's under the hammer. And it'll be like, you'll be fine. <laughs> no one needs that in their life anymore anyway. Well, anyway, what are you no. doing home watching TV at half three in the afternoon anyway? It's <laughs> a very good point. What, one thing I absolutely love about you as a, as a performer is you're not afraid to just laugh at your own expense. You know, whether that be getting a ridiculous bowl cut, sticking recorders up your nose, you know, do ridiculous accents or whatever. Where does that come from? Just that ability to just laugh at yourself. Uh, I gave up my dignity a long time ago. <laughs> um, is is the sort of amusing answer. Um, the actual answer is that ever, ever since I've discovered that I'm funny, I dedicate myself entirely to chasing the gag. Hmm. Like to me, there's there's nothing better than getting a laugh. Because uh, it, you know, it shows a sort of shared understanding of the people that you're with. It shows that you've got, you know, your, your head's not jumbled. You've got your head screwed on right because you know what you're doing. And you know, okay, this is going to sound pity me, and it's really not. Given that I'm the shape that I am, I am naturally physically funny to look at doing stupid shit. Like you know, take for example, afterlife. It wouldn't be nearly as funny if I was discovered naked in a bath if I wasn't fat, right? Because that sort of adds a sort of extra dimension of it being quite amusing. It's like, ah, he is also a rotund man, which is... I hate to agree, but I know what you mean, like TV tropes. Is it, it's the true. thing is, it's, it's these tropes are tropes for a reason. And like, you know, I do hope one day to sort of be a sort of like the vanguard of where like a character can be fat in a, in a comedy show and that not be their whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know we'll we'll get there, but like ultimately these this sort of stuff is funny, and like I'm happy to be the butt of the joke because at the end of the day it's a joke and it'll get a laugh, and ultimately that's all I really care about. Like you know my job is to facilitate the words of the writer and the whims of the director, put it through well well, well turn it into light and then turn it into bites on digital and then turn that into laughs. Ultimately that's my job, and it would be you know I, I guess sort of highfalutin of me and very sort of arrogant to go well no i'm not i shall not make a mockery of myself <laughs> it's like well you are and let's be honest you were making a mockery of yourself when you wore your little hat when you were doing pizza delivery you know that that if anything was more undignified than you jumping off a diving board in budgie smugglers that was more <laughs> undignified for you because hats don't suit me i've got a head like a loaf of wet bread they just don't sit properly. It's all it's bad. I mean, the one who tips somebody in, it's all right. It um, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't fit. Like, it doesn't pull the way down, so it's sort of sat on top of my head. So it's perched like a seagull on a post, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, you're, 
your eye isn't drawn to that because I'm doing that funny voice. So it's fine. It was great. It was so great. <laughs> <laughs> so before we start... We now that- have to include the cold open now, don't we? Because we talked about that in the cold open. Oh, it's being included. It's too funny. Not Brilliant. To it's being included. It's being included. It has to be. So before we start wrapping up, can you tell us about anything that you're working on at the moment or in the near future, anything that you can talk about? Uh, so a couple of things that I've done this year and now currently in post, I'm not at liberty to talk about them yet. Uh, but um, if, if you know people follow me on socials, as soon as I can, I will. I've always been about that life. Um, we've got um, Horrible Histories coming up. Um, that's going to take me through till Christmas, uh, which is an excellent problem to have. Amazing. Uh, and then after that, I mean, sky's the limit. Um, you know, once you, once you tie down yourself to sort of like a five month project, it's sort of difficult to see the other end of it. Because, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be deep in that thing. And by the time we get to Christmas anyway, most of the things will have wrapped up in any case. And so January will be audition season again. And we just start where we were at the beginning. Um, but yeah, so, you know, things are things are looking good. I mean, like I say, a, a five month contract is a really, really good problem to have. <laughs> You know, to get to Christmas as well. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, I'm going to be tied down for a bit, but that's fine. That's, you know, I can still, still find other stuff to do. And besides which, I'll be doing horrible histories, which is a bright laugh. So easy. You're busy, you're doing what you'd love, and you're getting paid to do it. Job uh, yeah. done. <laughs> Job done. And then 2023, we'll see. Um, hopefully, some of the things that I've done earlier in the year will be starting to, to fruit and flower. And we'll see what the results of that are moving forward. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about just maintaining the momentum, really. Um, just you know, keeping myself in the public eye, keeping myself doing doing my good acting, and uh, hopefully I'll still be allowed to do it, and I won't have to won't have to go back to driving around the Greater Denji area, uh, giving people pepperoni slice. <laughs> well, you could always be a wrestling manager. Did you find a company yet? No, no one reached out. I think people are frightened of my raw magnetism and charisma. I mean, I I, I would be to be fair, but uh... I think I think if anything, I'd be too good. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to see it. People would be like, oh, we're coming to watch the wrestling, but like this done's just this guy's just cut like a tight half hour promo on, yeah. <laughs> on, on the main event. You would get you would get your guy over every time. You're like the Paul Heyman of this like was indie my wrestling. Thinking. I think I'd make a great advocate, but also sort of like, you know, I, I, I reckon I could run a good run a good roast on a on on a on the oh, on the yeah. face. Oh, I mean, yeah. genuinely, I love wrestling. I really, really do. And, you know, it, it's it's something at the back of my head because I know I'm never going to be a wrestler. There's no way. Um, you know, I, I haven't been training. I don't have the skills. But I rec- I know how to take a bump because I do all my own stunts. And yeah, one of go. the other things that I know is I can, I'm can. i a talker. I'm I'm good on the stick. I, love I mean, we're here. We're just on a whole, what, hour and 20 minutes? And I've yeah. basically not stopped talking. It's great. For, I love. <laughs> for 80 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We interviewed on, Doug on, Williams. On, on, oh, we on, need to get him together. <laughs> we, we interviewed Doug Williams. Let's get you with him. Go, go I'll be done. Manage Doug Williams. That'd be incredible. <laughs> Put me in touch. <laughs> I'm more than happy. I'll be his greatest advocate. All of these opponents better, better worry because after just before they get beaten in the ring by Doug, they're going to have to deal with me calling them a rat skank and they'll hate <laughs> phenomenal oh, absolutely phenomenal so before we like just start wrapping up so, you know, do you have any like personal highlights from your career so far moments that stand out whether it be filming a scene a moment off camera whatever that might be just those like real joyous reflective moments it's, it's going to sound glib it really does but like it, 
I find it difficult to separate out individual moments, like, you know, sort of pouring it through a sieve because like, I'm so blessed to do what I do. Mm. And like, so I'm not good at waking up, right? I'm a, I'm not an early riser. Uh, If left, if left to my own devices, I will eventually just gravitate to Dracula time. (laughs) And just be like, you know, waking up at like six in the afternoon. (laughs) Go to bed at four. (laughs) That's sort of my natural state. But when I'm, when I'm working on a job and you know it requires you to, to get up, I, I don't find myself struggling. I spring out of bed and ready to go. I love my work. I love my work. I love what I do. And so sort of it almost feels like it's almost cheapening it to sort of like draw out individual moments because like the last 10 years have been, apart from one year I did pizza delivery, the last 10 years have been so good to me that I yeah, I wouldn't want to single anything out because just as, a, as an experience as a whole, it's just been magnificent and I'm so lucky to be able to do what I do. Again, I'm getting sincere, but that's, that's because I think, you know, we've, we've been laughing and we've been joking around, but like, you know, it, I do, I genuinely love my job so much and I, I don't know what I would do without it. And I can only do it with people who believe in me and watch my stuff. So, you know, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> And here's for the next 10 years. It's in the next Damn 10 right. years. Then we'll see, we'll see where we're at when I'm about to turn 40. We'll, we'll do a we'll do a follow-up pod. Let's do it. Yes. Damn. Be like, I've been doing pizza this. delivery for eight years. I, <laughs> <laughs> I got there in the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions for us? Yes, I do. Questions? I have one more, Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> the way he said that made it sound like you had a lot. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, I do have questions actually. Just, uh, <laughs> Where were you on the night of the? <laughs> um, when you first started out telling your mum that you were going to be an actor, did you ever think that this is where you'd be today? I had faith that I could get there. I think largely out of childhood naivety, though. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think one of the things that, like, you know, I've always been conscious of like and you know if you've seen my twitter and you've seen my tiktoks you'll know this um i don't pretend that this job is easy and i don't lie to people like you know when they say oh i want to make it in the industry what the sort of steps i could do my answer is always i don't know like this industry's mad like i got into it through pure luck so be lucky i guess like (laughs) i don't know what else to say because like and there's an old um, thing they say that I can't give advice. I can only give anecdote because I know how I did it, but I don't know how other people would. So, like but like, so that's, that's sort of the thing. Like I, I try to be honest about this job because I think it's so easy to sort of get swept up, especially as a kid, I thought it would be easy. And doing it now. I realize how that it's not. And I've, I've basically been doing this job on easy mode uh, because, you know, I got into this, you know, relatively young and, you know, I've worked fairly consistently for a decade, you know, more so than a lot do. So I've been doing this whole thing on easy mode and even I find it tough. (laughs) So one of the things, yeah, I I don't know if I knew I would be able to make it as a kid because I had the faith that I had the skill, but Mm -hmm. I had no idea of the reality of what was coming and I think I may have felt differently about it if I did it's tricky isn't it doing in those yeah. hypotheticals because mm. it's like you know and I know it was sort of almost sort of like a 
oh, would your, would your childhood self be proud of you now? But actually thinking about it on those terms, I'm sort of like, he'd definitely be proud, but I don't know if he'd be happy with what acting is actually like. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was expecting it to be like, you know, red carpets and like, you know, I'll be in my trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where it's more sort of like, you spend a day dressing up as a Celt and a Roman and a dying sailor and you smell a spirit gun for a week. So. <laughs> that sounds so much better than sitting in a trailer with Fred Cat. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather... Does it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd rather not have my feet up with a whiskey. I'd much rather... <laughs> I'd much rather be at the coalface sweating to death under this moustache. Yeah, but, but surely if you were sat in a trailer with a whiskey, you'd be sat there probably for hours waiting to, just to do something rather oh, than... Oh, you get sit- that as well. Don't get me wrong, that oh. also happens. It's, <laughs> it's just there's no whiskey and you've got an uncomfortable moustache. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> you again, to sit around dressed up as a kelp. Yeah, yeah that's it. In I that case, in a toga early on one day because I had a scene... I, I wasn't in the first scene, I was in the second scene of the day. But I was then in there early. And so I get dressed up in a, a toga and like this curly blonde wig to be a Roman. I'm sat there for like two hours in the trailer. Oh, no. <laughs> Just reading my Kindle with <laughs> this toga on. <laughs> Looking like an absolute prat. And I'm like, I can't even go walking around because like our, our unit base at that point was in like the car park of a mini golf place. And so like, I can't go out because like people playing mini golf are going to see me running around like a, <laughs> like a little Roman. And they're going to be like, oh, what's this? Um, it's probably for charity or something. <laughs> <laughs> and university kids are at it again. <laughs> oh, Christ, it's rag week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. They've come here to the A1. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm changed, lads. I'm to change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sighs> Ethan, this has been just phenomenal. Absolutely oh, I'm I really am. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, I had a suspicion this was going to be a laugh, and I'm glad it was. It was amazing. Oh, well, I'm, I'm pleased you had that suspicion. Like, I want to thank the guy that hit, that sent you sent us to you. Yeah, uh, yes. one of our I, listeners, whoever that was. Thank you so much. Same thing happened yesterday. I was, I was, because I, I made sure in the tweet to say not not just like if you have a podcast, get in contact, but if you like a podcast and would like to hear me on it, like let them know because you know. It's, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but it's impossible to know every podcast that exists. Yes, There's like millions of them. So like, you know, I need people to sort of like connect me to things that I haven't heard so that I can, you know, broaden not only my own horizons in my listening, but also to like, you know, find other avenues to come on and shout about myself for an hour and a half. (laughs) Listen to while you're dressed as a Roman on set. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You guys have got yeah. You, no one, no one else has got that Roman story. I think that's a that's a oh, that's a, yeah. that's a chronicles of scoop. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Ethan, before we let you go, we like to play a little game with our guests. We haven't done this for a little while, actually. I realised earlier on we haven't done this for a little while. It's called the quick fire round. We literally ask you five questions and you answer them as quick as you can. It's a simple okay. game, and you're going to know the answers because they're all about you. <gasps> okay nice and simple this is where we find out that I'm not really across my own life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well nice and simple on the first one what's your favourite pizza topping uh, Hawaiian no interesting okay we can get back to this if it's going to be an argument because I'm ready to defend myself <laughs> no with no, sticks no, if no. necessary <laughs> <laughs> so now the sticks are involved I'm backing up no <laughs> Uh, favorite breakfast cereal? They're not all food, oh, mate. Christ. Uh, uh, 
frosties. I don't know. I don't eat cereal. Do you not? No. Ah, why should you give an answer then if you don't eat it? <laughs> because I, I I felt you were owed an answer. I didn't. Oh, like... I, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, to be honest with you, frosties isn't even right. It's probably Rice Krispies or something. But I can't remember the last <laughs> time I had cereal. Cereal is just magical. I, if I, mean, I could eat it for the rest of my life, I would. Like I said, though, I'm rarely awake before noon, right? Oh, of course. So- <laughs> <laughs> and even if I'm at a job, I find that to get to get my brain in gear, I don't need cereal. I need like a fruit. I need an like, apple or a banana or something. Because like yeah, it's slow sense. release and like because you never know when your next meal is going to be because lunch could be pushed back because someone screwed up or something. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just like, I need a banana and a satsuma and I'm away. Oh, like there it. we are. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> What was your first ever concert that you went to? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, do you know it might have been it might have been the V Festival, two thousand and six. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, because I don't live far from Chelmsford, uh, which is one of the um, Highlands Park was one of its um, venues. I think the other one was in Stafford. I think. Uh, so yeah, it was probably that. Now that I think of it, and I, oh god, I wish I could remember who was performing. That's irrelevant. Um, probably the first um, the first sort of solo gig that I went to was Kasabian. That's some no. strong, some strong gigs there, though. Strong I've first. seen Kasabian quite a few times actually, um, but this would have been during the um, uh, Empire uh, album, Shoot the Runner, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think they're up there. So I think in terms of sort of like my, I think I've seen Kasabian five times. I've seen the Proclaimers five times. Yeah, oh, amazing. And I've seen Avenged Sevenfold three times. <laughs> what a mix! <laughs> That's one. You gotta have an eclectic taste. Though. I love that. That's oh, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, most of those Kasabian Proclaimer ones are from the V Festival, so I went like four years on the bounce. Oh, mate! They play every year. I just sort of did on my own. It can't. I've seen Metallica five times. Never been to a solo gig. It's always been at festivals. There you go. You see. I mean, the Proclaimers are up that high for that exact reason because they're always a bloody V. They were. They do anything. <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't enough. even know them that well, but by the end of it, I'm there like, letter from <laughs> <laughs> Take a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's great hearing a whole bunch of Essex people attempt a Scottish accent. It's <laughs> brutal. If you were to get a tattoo to commemorate your career, what would it be? Ooh. Um, <laughs> that was a great noise. <laughs> it would be... It'd be one of the alien symbols from How to Talk to Girls at Parties because it's discreet and if you look at it, you'd have to ask about it. Oh, nice. Like it. Yeah, that's really really I'd be like, well, actually, it's <laughs> um, quite an interesting concept. <laughs> you probably haven't seen it. It was kind of underground. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I'd go for. Because otherwise, what's it going to be? It'd be like a kid with a bowl cut I don't think that's <laughs> just a recorder bad haircut <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least if you were to get into a time machine go back in time and find young Mr Ethan what piece of advice would you give him uh, keep going as you're going it's all going to be alright don't don't drink as much when you're at uni <laughs> you you were like a problem <laughs> Like that was it was an issue and sleep more. <laughs> Not you had a problem, you were a problem. <laughs> right. I, I should probably um <laughs> I should probably contextualize that. <laughs> so, so part of the issue was is that 
you know, I'm I'm a bit of a workaholic. A lot of people who know me know that when I start on a job, I become like absolutely myopic and narrow-minded and you can't deviate me from the course. In the third year of university, I was doing, I had, I had my agent now, so I was regularly getting professional acting gigs. I was also doing the third year of my degree. I was also president of the Improv Comedy Society. I directed a musical and one of my own plays. And I did all of that in the space of one academic year. And I was drunk for all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, dude, that's nuts. I don't don't know how I survived being 21. (laughs) Damn. I I mean, yeah, I I slowed down after that. Once, Once university finished, I was like, right, I don't think my body has what it takes to do that again. Big respect, though. That's that's yeah. serious, though. That's incredible that you managed to I got to a 2-1. Four. Yeah, two one. that's huge. That's insane. I love it. A bad education series three. I was bald for that one. Yes, you were. <laughs> that helped. Oh. That helped the look. <laughs> <laughs> Me just swanning around Royal Holloway University of London with a beer and a brown paper bag. <laughs> yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to the lecture. What of it? <laughs> Hamlet dicked on him, mate. <laughs> you want you want you want to talk gender politics and Shakespeare? I got that for you. Yeah, I'll tell you. Right, bloody Juliet. Right, what's that all about? Oh. And that was my university oh. experience. They gave me a two-one. <laughs> so, nice. Insightful commentary on, <laughs> on Shakespeare's oeuvre. Oh, Ethan, this has been so much fun. Right. I, I laughed. Jamie, so you much. look like you're in physical pain. No, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's in the best way. Before we let you go, any plugs, social medias you want people to go check out? Uh, Bad Education and Afterlife on Netflix. Find the way you can. Horrible Histories on iPlayer. If you want to find me personally, I'm at Ethan D. Lawrence on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, Support the TikTok because I'm quickly growing sick of it because uh, I'm just not getting the numbers that I feel like I deserve. Uh, So make me feel better about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Follow my Instagram for nothing. I barely post anything. And follow my Twitter for going ha 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 every time someone from Boris Johnson's cabinet resigns, <laughs> uh, which has been today at the final count, I believe, thirty-eight times. Incredible! So, That's nuts. Wow. So well done to him uh, for breaking yet another record. Yeah. <laughs> what a legacy! What Club a legacy! <laughs> Ethan, my friend, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. It's been phenomenal. And we'll definitely have to do a round two. Thank you so much for having me, honestly. Thank you for reaching out. This, you know, this was this was what it was all about. You know, getting to meet new people and talk stuff and have a laugh. Uh, So thank you very much for having me and and reaching out. I hope uh, I hope hope this video does well for you. I appreciate it. Well, it's going to be out in two weeks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Something like that. we'll let you know. We'll let you know anyway. because uh, yeah. obviously you're sure, yeah, I mean, we, we've stuff. got each other on socials now, so we can exactly it. perfect. We'll we'll oh, no. we'll do we'll retweet each other, it'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love incredible. it. Excited. Synergy, SEO. <laughs> <laughs> um incredible. Good luck with horrible histories filming. And yeah, thank you. Incredible. Have a great thank evening, my so friend. Much. Take it easy. Take it easy. Look after yourself. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, so bloody funny. It's just, great. It's just great, yeah. isn't it? It's just great. 
It's so many highlights. It's, it's just his impression of a drunk student in university. <laughs> just I have to say, the, Ger- the German accent was definitely a highlight. Oh, yes. And I realised, watching this back, towards the start of it, I said he was a child actor, and he was like, no, I didn't. I started imagining. What I was trying to say is he started to learn acting as a child, and I sort of didn't correct myself. I was like, why didn't you correct yourself? Don't be twat. So I'm correcting myself now, okay? There are quite a few votes in some of the interviews where uh, that's happened. Yeah. And also, Ethan, if you're listening, my neck's okay now. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we're recording it. Ethan, thank you so much again. It was a genuine pleasure, and I'm excited for people to get their ears on this bad boy. Oh, yes. Mr. Stevens. Yeah? It's audience participation time. Yeah? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's Participation Challenge. This week, I want us to play a twist on being Hollywood casting agent. Now, credit goes first off to your girlfriend, because she sort of inspired this in a weird way. And also to Hollywood Babylon, a podcast I listened to, because basically they did a thing on the show that was recasting a movie using the Avengers. And then okay. I saw Keris tagging that she was watching Free Men and a Baby, and I was like, that I need to see. <laughs> so the question this week was, if you were going to reboot Free Men and a Baby using members of the Avengers, who would you put in? So I'd have Korg, definitely. Thought oh, you called me a dickhead again. <laughs> <laughs> Korg, 100%. I think he would be entertainment galore. Yes. Oh, this is hard now. Star-Lord? Yes. Do I go for who I really want because he's the greatest superior ever and he's definitely my favourite, or do I go clever? No, I'm going for it. I'm having Downey. I'm having Iron Man. And who would you cast as a baby? Oh. Let's have Loki. Oh, good answer. <laughs> good answer. That's a I, film I'd watch right there. Phenomenal. I was going to ask Scully answer now. I was like, no, it's not. No, yeah, I'm definitely having Tom Hiddleston. I'm having Loki. See, I thought about this. And I've gone with Hawkeye, because we know he's a good dad. Captain America, because, you know, he's going to distill those morals into the child. And then Thor. Because have a laugh, teach him some, uh, have a, you know, just impart that wisdom, make him strong. And the baby, just for fun, Thanos. Oh, fair enough. Just, just see how he would turn out. There'd be no sequel. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give me snacks. No. <laughs> one, one and a half men and a baby. Yeah. 0.75 <laughs> of a human and a baby. <laughs> Let's get some answers. David Farmer says, Banner is the baby's dad. Black Widow is the mom. Cap is the one who falls for in the sequel. And the third man is Tony Stark. The baby, how about Ant-Man? Oh, nice. Like yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> Matt Burdick says, the three men, Iron Man, Hulk and Thor. The baby, Vision. Interesting. <laughs> I just like the idea of a little baby Vision. It sounds so cute. <laughs> Demona D. Angel, great name. Great name. Uh, Falcon, 
Hawkeye and Loki are the three men. And the baby is Luis from Ant-Man. Oh. <laughs> ah, tell a story. Tara Johnson says, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. are the three men. So, Thor, America, and, America Iron Man. and Iron Man. And Spider-Man is the baby, Tom Holland. Oh, God, Spider-Man is the baby. Um, Becky Westwood, she gets involved. She says, the three men are Ant-Man, Star-Lord, and Black Panther. That's a great line. Good dad. Someone with daddy issues is going to make sure they're well looked after. The king of Wakanda is going to give you good morals. The baby, Hulk. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> no one would want to cross that, but angry baby. <laughs> no. Um, and last but not least, we have Wesley Pike. He says, Iron Man is playing Tom Selleck's role. He's getting specific as who he wants playing who here. Ant-Man is doing Steve Gutenberg's role. And Thor is playing Ted Danson's part. He's proper recasting his role. He's gone for it. He's proper gone for it. And of course, the baby is Spider Man. It's got to be Spider Man. Yeah, well, Tom, you have to do it to his face. He looks like one. Precisely. He just looks Sorted. like a baby already. Absolutely. Guys, thank I enjoyed you so- that one. For everyone that participates, we really do appreciate it massively. Thank you ever so much. It is graciously appreciated. If you enjoy Jamie's participation challenge, Tom's journal, Callum's treachings, the interview, and all the bullshit we talked at the beginning, then you enjoy the other 48 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast. Yeah, I said 48. It's a lot of content. If you go on YouTube, it's insane. Um, you can find us on Spotify, on Google, on Apple, or anywhere you get your podcasts from at the Chronicles of Podcast. You can also come onto YouTube at the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit that subscribe button, hit the bell so you get notified of every video that gets released and comment, 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 comment. Listen, listen, listeners from Rassman said. Um, <laughs> you can also come and check out our hashtag WBW Way Back Wednesdays. Every single Wednesday, 6 p.m. on the YouTube as well. There's no video waybacks left. So it's all audio based now. So you just get that little wavelength going across the thing. So I uh, hope you enjoyed Jeff Nicholson this week. You can also find us on Facebook at The Chronicles of Podcast. And Jamie. Yes, sir. Do you know where else you can find us? Where else you can find us? You can find us sat in front of the TV watching Afterlife go, this is a bloody great show, this. Absolutely. Or on the Twitter. Or at TCO Pod. Jamie, do you know where else you could find us? Um, Sitting down rubbing your buttocks because they're quite sore after a very long cycle. Only you there, oh, and no. also on the Instagram ah! at TCO Pod. You can also come and find us on TikTok at TCO Pod. Please give us a little follow there and watch Jamie's Chesney Hawks video because it's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, you can also come and find us at our beautifully, deliciously, sexily new, deliciously, sexily, incredibly beautifully, sexily, wonderful little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You can find out all about us are on there, all our shows and episodes are on there, all our affiliations are on there. Get fucking donated. Um, the Chronicles of Podcast. Downloaders, reviewers, sharers, raters, tell all of your friends about us, allow us into your ears, but most importantly, a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. No one to tell us. No, okay, can you turn the light oh, up? Where to up. go? The say we're only dreaming. dreaming. A whole new world. 
Sorry. Sorry. Aladdin got tired to take over there, so uh, I do apologise about that. I'm supposed to follow that. <laughs> anyway, before we get out of here, should we say thank you to a couple of our friends? First off, every single piece of music you hear on this show is because of one man. One man only. And that man's name is Mr. Matthew Roberts. Go check him out on all the socials at Matt Roberts Music. Head on over to Spotify and give him a little listen. We've been telling you all about his latest single, Your Love. But you know what? That's not his latest single anymore because the man's pumping them out like a machine. And he's released an absolute summer banger called Young Dumb Fun. Go check it out. It is a perfect summer song. Last week's audience participation on about summer songs. Well, now Matt's dropped another one for you to go check out. We have to say thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to staycozyclothing.com or download the Stay Cozy smartphone app. Have a look on there. There is one, sorry, there is a brand new line came out a couple of weeks ago and it is stunning. So many different designs, different colours, different things. Tracksuit bottoms that look incredibly comfortable. Some beautiful hats, T-shirts, hoodies. T-shirts including the Sophie Lancaster collaborative T-shirt. 50% of the profits. 50! Go straight to the foundation, which is absolutely phenomenal. We can't thank Braden enough for doing that. But when you've added everything you like to the basket, and it's going to be one of everything because it's all absolutely bloody lovely, add in that discount code, The Chronicles, at checkout and get yourself 10% off your order. Our gift from us to you for simply making it all the way to the end of the episode. And last but not least, it's these guys. The reason I have very sore legs right now. It's the Sophie Lancaster Foundation stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. I tell you what, yesterday absolutely opened my eyes even more so to this incredible cause because it is absolutely disgusting what happened. And it's even more disgusting that things like it are still happening to this day. All because people, quite frankly, shockingly want to be themselves. So do you know what? Let's help these guys put an end to it. What I want you guys to do is to head over to sophielancasterfoundation.com. And there is a questionnaire form to fill in about any experiences you may have had, whether it be bullying physically, name calling, being treated badly or different by anyone, let's get these cases recorded and show to the police and the government how big of an issue it is. Because at the minute, it's basically seen as, well, you shouldn't dress so differently, then should you? Yes, you should. You should be your bloody self and you should be discriminated for it. So let's get being alternative on the hate crime list because that was Sylvia's vision. And although Sylvia might not be with us anymore, her vision is still alive and let's help us achieve it. I cannot thank you all enough from the bottom of my heart. In fact, from the bottom of my feet, all the way up to the top of my head, I thank you for all the sharing, the love, the donations and everything that I've received over the past 24 hours and beyond. But now we move on to the next thing and that's the Bloodstock Festival. So we will be there. And if you are there, I want you to come and say hello to us while we're at the tent, while we're boiling inside the black tent in the sunshine. Come and say hello to us. We want to get some footage. We want to talk to you guys about your experiences, what you know of Sophie and her story, any experiences you may have had with stuff I was discussing a minute ago. So please come and talk to us so you can be part of the show. You can be part of the video we're making. It's going to be beautiful. We can't wait to see you all. SophieLancasterFoundation.com. Learn more about it. Learn how you can help. 
And uh, last but not least, thank you to this handsome bugger for letting me look in for the past hour. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I do apologise. Oh, no. Uh, but no, back. I second everything that Jamie just said. So, uh, yeah, incredible work, my friend. Incredible work. And now I'll let you go and chill the fuck out. Another great episode, Jamie. Very much so. I could not wait for next week, episode 50. The big 5-0. Big returning guest. Big, great Another, sorry, I ruined that. Another great fucking interview is what I was trying to say. Um, And as for this week, we will see you next week for the 50th edition. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.